Hello and welcome to the podcast of Madeline and her attorney, in which they watch movies. Today's episode is a very special one, as we close out the year 2022 and usher in the year 2023 and make no promises to ever improve or get any better. They do talk for two hours straight. Madeline is wondering if anyone with a neurological background is listening, and if so, can you let her know if her constant forgetting of words and titles is anything to be alarmed by, or if she just needs a nap. Shoot an email to Madeline and her attorney at gmail.com. See you on the flip side, producers out. Okay. okay. I, hit right. I hit record. Hang on a sec. All right. Oh, you hit record? We're yeah, going? but we don't have to no, start fine. necessarily. I, I like these loosey-goosey starts. Okay. All right. So happy, uh, let's think. Do, we, do you want to say happy new year right at the top? Happy new year. Let's acknowledge the time of the year. January 1st. Brand new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an idea. What is your idea? I have an idea for what I I think should be a tradition. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, you know, that requires uh, a dedication, repetition, vigilance, and so forth. But I think, and maybe, maybe we'll uh, get back to it at the end mm-hmm. of, the, of the broadcast. Okay. But if you wanted to, I could do it right now. Up to you. What do you think? I love it. You know, if you've been really... looking forward to it, let's go. All right. So here we go. So I think as a tradition on our podcast, okay. <clears throat> I will attempt to read Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Oh, boy. With, without <laughs> bursting into tears. Okay. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. I'm very into this tradition. This is a good tradition. Here mm-hmm. we go. Okay. I just have to pull it up. I had it on my, on my device here and now I don't have it. Poetry Foundation. Thank you. Here we go. Let's see how I do. I think I'll be fine. Are you sure you want to do it at the top? I don't know. Well, I think I'll be fine. Let's see how I do. And if I needed a second go, okay. I'll take it later. All right. Whose woods these are? I think I know. <laughs> I, I, okay, let's, let's do it at the end. Let's do it at the end. Okay, let's come back to this at the I'll, end of I'll the brace, show. I'll brace myself for it. Now I know it's coming. All no right. more surprises. Oh, very good. Okay. Big fan of this one. This you is know. A, yeah, well, you know, it's snowy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the country's bombarded with brutal temperatures. Yep. I'll I'll say this. I uh, and this is a true uh, a true fact about Alfred. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I uh, one time I read Robert Frost's uh, f- um, Fire and Ice or Ice or fi- Ice and Fire. Okay. I forget. Yeah. I'm, and I'm truly embarrassed that I didn't just rattle it off. Yeah. And there's something about it that I found so haunting. Mm-hmm. That uh, the premise of just endless snow right. is the one thing that I'm like, that would kind of do it. We'd, we'd all endure for a while, but eventually the snow would just win, you know? So you mean like an ice age? Kind of, I yeah. guess. I just really mean snow that doesn't stop. But uh-huh. I, think, I think that collapse would be so much earlier. I think that we'd fall so fast. It would be unbelievable. Things just wouldn't, you know, the, the supply chain would collapse instantly. Mm-hmm. You know, almost immediately, you couldn't get anything. Yeah. Because the roads would be defeated. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> just imagine the, the snow piling up ever higher. And once it's past the first floor, what do you do? You know, and, and, and there's no end in sight. I mean, it's genuinely this, and it's, and the thing about snow um, is that it's so quiet. It deadens the sound outside, mm-hmm. and uh, there's just like this. Uh, <laughs> it's just such a gentle but definitive end that reading this poem gave me chills 
and it, it has inspired the one. It has inspired in me this one idea for the, I'll call it uh, collapse. I like it. That is yeah. so pretty, but but genuinely terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's an I'm trying idea. to think of media that uses that concept. Uh, but of course, it's always like Ice Age stuff. Yeah, just pause for one. I hit pause for one second. Do you actually want me to? Yeah, because okay. I'm gonna. Yeah, okay. Have you done it? All right, welcome back to the podcast. We've now barricaded ourselves in the podcasting room. I don't know that you needed to explain it. I don't know. You said you were talking about like the 20, you know, World After Tomorrow. Uh, oh, yeah. Disaster movies with an Ice Age bent. Yeah, I mean, um, Day After Tomorrow, wouldn't that be one? That's what I literally just said. Oh, oh. That I, was my only example. I thought you were just like making a, like saying a concept, like the, like Day After Tomorrow is a concept, not naming the film. Snowpiercer. Okay. Um, and I think that the manga Fire Punch <laughs> actually takes place in like a winter. I don't know anything uh, about that. I take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, is about a, a, in the future people get mutant powers, right? But they're like in a kind of desolate snow wasteland and this one guy's power is he can always heal. And then there's another guy whose power is he can make fire that fire never punch. goes out. Okay. And that he, seems like a good one. And he lights the guy on fire. There's a game. Uh, uh, a I think you... Wait, you got to think about this for a second. The guy who can heal constantly is now on eternal fire. Okay. That's the character of Fire Punch. I do like that, actually. It's very good, right? It's a little more clever than I was and he's well, And he walks through the snow for like years. You're right. I went too quick. I, I know, right? I, I thought like, all right, we let that guy on fire. That's the guy who wrote Chainsaw Man, my current favorite anime. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It's good? Ooh. I saw the ads for it. It looked kind of wild. I mean, it's anime, so it depends on if you like anime or not. But if you like anime, it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sesame Street, that's not anime, is it? No, I would not classify Sesame Street as anime okay. considering it's not animated. And I guess there's like real... Nor is it made in Japan. There's real puppets involved. Yeah, there's real people and real puppets. Living puppets. Yeah. And yeah. celebrities sometimes. Yeah, usually. Yeah. You think AFC was on that? Who? AOC. If she ha- she should be. She if she has, be. she must have been. She, it's like her. It's like set on. Yeah, it's in Queens, yeah, right? I, I think mean, so. they shoot it in Kaufman Studios in Astoria, where I live, and if, I'm in her district. If she hasn't done it yet, I don't uh, live in Kaufman it, Studios. I live near Kaufman it's Studios. Cost, you live on Sesame Street. I live on Sesame Street. You, I mean, you don't live on it, but could you tell me how to get to? I could actually Sesame Street. Yeah, it's a, about. You would walk up Broadway and then down Steinway and then over on Thirty uh, First. That's what we call compelling pod. Yeah, that might not be accurate directions. I just named Listen, don't, streets in my neighborhood. She's not saying you'll definitely find your way to Sesame Street that way. <laughs> you might. But if you're looking for, <laughs> if you fancy an adventure in knee-deep snow, that's the way to do it. It is, in fact, what's the word? Cataclysm. No. Diarrhea. Dystopian. Dystopian. So, yeah, winter dystopian snow. Is there hell. snow in Queens? No. Well, anyhow, <laughs> welcome to the end of the year. Yeah, I could, we, I'm so excited to get this going. I know. I, uh, I really was happy. I had a great. We had a great year. I think. I think so too. I mean, honestly, we Be- best year yet. Yeah, we started. Um, our our you know sabbatical ended in what March? Morbius. Yeah. We, which, we, I now refer to the month as Marjbius. Marjbius. God damn it. <laughs> so um, we started up the podcast again in, in Mar- 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 March. Bias. March Bias. You can, you, you can hit it with the eight C. Okay, sound cool. If it's easier. And, and I think for the most part, we were pretty good. Pretty, we were pretty consistent. I think the month of November Until was we, sort of a drop off. Yeah, we both got a little busy. Yeah. 
Professionally. Yes. Not so much personally. No, personally, nothing. No, I, yeah, I mostly use my, uh, my, so, you know, I was busy at work and at the end of the night I would recede into my torpor chamber mm-hmm. to, you know, rejuvenate for the next day of work. <laughs> so, good words. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't spend a good seven hours in my torpor chamber, I'm not rejuvenated. <laughs> I, I've never rejuvenated. I don't know why you're laughing. Probably out of jealousy and fear. Do you fear. want me to take you into my torpor chamber? I mean, I'm a little curious. Is it uh, is it like an isolation chamber? Have you ever experienced... Do you sit in a liquid? It's important. This is an important question. Have you, yeah. ever, have you ever experienced torpor? I don't think so. Do you know the word I'm referring to? Torpor? T-O-R-P-O-R? That's it. Yeah. Isn't it like... Uh. Yes. <laughs> The noise was supposed to be my description of the term. All right. Well, <laughs> listen, to, to eagle-eared listeners, yeah. investigate Torpor and email the podcast if you want more information about my Torpor chamber. <laughs> the door to my Torpor chamber is very heavy and dark. <laughs> Have you ever seen the film Altered States? One of my favorite no, movies of I all really time. I ought to. That's a movie I'd like to see. Yeah. I mean, that's a, they do, he does ayahuasca and goes in a goes isolation the tank. In, but which kind of sounds like your torpor chamber. I don't think so. Mm. Doesn't sound right. What do you, what happens to you in there? I rejuvenate. I feel like I've said it a thousand times. <laughs> but like, what causes the rejuvenation? The deep torpor. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, this is like tautology, but torpor rejuvenates. Oh boy. <laughs> well, this is my last blast before torpor. I was busy with um. Doing all my things. And no torpor. No torpor. Just things. Just the things I did with the club and with the film festival and with the zine that I'm now the managing editor of. Are there any highlights you'd like to direct people to observe? I mean, I'm excited about the zine. How do you find the zine? Is it electronic or is it tactile? Both. Um, But you... Prescribe. You prescribe to it. You subscribe to it. You have to get a doctor to prescribe it. You have to get a doctor to prescribe the zine to you. Um, it's on Patreon. It's footage fiends. So okay. fiends. Fiends. So it's not F-I-E-N-D-S. F- yeah, footage fiends. So not footage friends. You don't really say the D. Footage fiends. <laughs> yes. Did, did that did uh, that help? Does say that one more time for me. <laughs> footage fiends. <laughs> for for a period in my in my mid thirties, I started realizing that I never emphasized the D in the word friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And I started doing that all the time and it is not It kind of tickles. It's not rewarding, but it no. is satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Footage Fiend is Yeah, look up Footage Fiends. Um and uh I, the first issue should be released early January. Oh, that's a new thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, we've been working on it for a couple months now, but like What's the anticipated rollout schedule? Beginning of January. One you're only do one? Uh oh no, it'll be quarterly. Okay. Quarterly zine, $10 for physical copy, $5 for a virtual copy, I think, is the current going price, but we're going to see how sustainable is that it, is. Is it big? No. Is it thick? No, it's like 30 pages. Are they, what's the, what are the dimensions of the pages? Um, Five by eight. Okay. Yeah. Long. Long? Not tall? E- I don't know. Like a, it's not like a checkbook or a check. It's no, like, it's like you took a piece of printer it, paper and you fold it in half. It's a zine. Yeah, it's not. So is it, is it, sh- hold on, is it, is it tall and thin? Yeah. Or is it long and squat? Tall and thin. Tall and thin. Yeah. I thought you, you were just, I thought you said, I, I thought you were interpreting what I said. Well, can you picture a checkbook? 
Yeah. And that's like, I would describe it as the squattest and longest. <laughs> squattest and longest. As far as books go, that Other is than the that one guy. <laughs> that one guy's real squat and long. <laughs> Do you remember his name? <laughs> long squat? No, long I don't recall. Long squat. Sasquatch is like. Oh, boy. Long squat. Yeah, long squat. All right, so the zine's coming out. It's called The Footage Fiends. What about a snake? Is a snake tall? No. Then I would think a snake is the shortest animal that isn't like a right? any vertebrate, you know. So he's just like really short and squat. Yeah, he's short and long. <laughs> but like long the wrong way. I don't know that I'd be comfortable calling a snake squat. <laughs> like by name or just like as do a you know what descriptor. A, do you know what is a, what's a small like a squat animal is a toad? Yeah. Yeah, Toad's pretty squat. Anyone who's, who's like, like general life posture is a squat. Yes. I would describe a squat. Yes. And I don't think they'd be like pissed off. Mm-hmm. No, I think they'd be like, that's accurate. Uh, I mean, to the extent they could understand me at all. No, which they probably can't. They They're probably toads. Can, they concur. Yeah. <laughs> Short squat. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. I've been I've been working on so much things. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy about that. I, I love the things you work on. Thank uh, we, you. I was a I was privy to a few of your uh, Astoria Horror Clubs this yeah, year. Yeah, we were did. a total ball. We had a um, Christmas horror movie marathon. Uh, yeah, December to dismember. December to dismember, and that it was, was a, a, a complete success. Yeah, and like basically, I had a stack of Blu-rays of. I mean, I use the word bad to advertise, but I do think that that is. Um, a misnomer to call them bad movies. I don't know. I would say that they are alternative and radical films. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, they can be both. I say the word bad because it attracts a more, um, I mean, a lot of the people who come are, are not that tapped into film culture. Yeah. I only managed to attend two of them. The, mm-hmm. the, the first one I saw, Blood. Blood Beat. Beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blood Beat. Yeah. That was bad. Uh, no, that was brilliant I see that and radical. I see that you've awarded it five stars on Letterboxd. It's, it deserves it. Ever since I gave Terrifier 2 five stars on Letterboxd, I've just stopped rating movies. Really? Yeah. I saw Terrifier 2 and I'm like, I love this so much. I'm giving it five stars. And then I I really understood how meaningless that was. Hey, yeah. What does it mean to say that Terrifier 2 and Schindler's List are it, both five star movies? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Roger Ebert too. His, I know you're not an Ebert guy. He probably would have loved Terrifier 2. He said that the, four, the star rating system was trivial, to the, arbitrary to the point of nonsensical and yeah. he hated it. Yeah. And he said the only rating system he ever, and I, th- I think this is actually something I've quoted on the podcast already, but the only rating system that he's ever come up with or considered relevant was the thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Because would I tell you to see the movie? Yes or no. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, uh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We, should you see it? For sure. Mm-hmm. Or no, or don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's no true rating system, but you can have personal ratings. Um, but I don't really want to try anymore. I think I was put, I was putting so much effort into it in the past. And then I was like, Terrifier 2 is a perfect film. And therefore, n- everything is meaningless now. Well, yeah, that's, yeah. But yeah. then Blood Beat was the next thing I gave five stars to. <laughs> it's like, Blood Beat deserves it. I mean, you got to The movie Blood Beat feels like it was recorded on a, you know, like, on like a tape deck. Yeah, it does. The audio is awful. The video is... Or not video, I guess, but the uh, film. Well, there is there was a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you... I might have not seen it. So at the very beginning of the... Okay, so first let me back up and give you the, the description of Bloodbeat. Bloodbeat is a lost 80s movie, um, low-budget um, genre film. But it is actually also from the 80s. It is not yes. like a movie 
made in 2020. No, is, I think it was like 84. Yeah, it's not pretending to be a movie from the 80s. It is a movie yeah. from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so not, like... Not a found footage mm-hmm. style thing. No, no, no. It was actually, it was made in the 80s by somebody. I think it was the only movie that that filmmaker ever made. But anyhow. Uh, yeah, I looked into it and the actresses, I mean, many of the actors did not do They more. didn't do anything else. Yeah. yeah, this was like their one project. It is about a young couple who goes to visit their in-laws in a rural area of America um, on Christmas. And the girl gets possessed by the ghost of a samurai that's stored in an artifact in the house, right? Yeah, that's not really revealed until like at minute 45. Yeah, it's like half And even then through. it's alluded to. Yeah. And even then it's hard to wrap your head around what's even happening. It's never directly stated. No, It's but, a movie that deals in yeah. weird inferences So like even telling you what happens in this movie will not lessen your experience of watching it no. in any way whatsoever. Um, it's... Kind of sexually explicit. I would say kind of is is, mo- a, is downplaying it. By modern standards, I think it is almost pornographic. Yeah. I mean, you don't see anything, but she's like grinding on her bed sheets. Yeah. She strikes me as an actress who was in an adult, like an adult. Maybe. Was an adult film, mm-hmm. you know, a starlet. Yeah. Who wanted to do one like real movie and they, and they got her to kind of like. Not exactly masturbate, but you know, it, everyone in the room was like, "Oh, she's masturbating." She's she's masturbating, <laughs> and, and, it, and it was that sort of eighties like aerobic masturbation. That yeah, was, you know, it's sort of like thrusting and grinding into the air. Yeah, doing yeah. The, doing like a yoga back arch, you yeah. know, back bridge. And as she does does this, the samurai ghost kills people. Yeah, while yanking a, a sheath between her legs. Yeah, it's great. It's it's pretty, but erotic, so, frankly. The um, disc we watched was a Blu-ray that was put out by Vinegar Syndrome that was a restoration of the only materials they could find. So they were able to find a print, yeah. but the print was mold damaged. Yeah, you, you, this I do recall. Yeah, that. so I think that, but the image didn't really look that bad. There's only a few moments in the movie where it feels like we're watching mold. Yeah, and for that reason, I believe the mold affected the audio track. That is much more likely yeah. because it was borderline and inaudible. Mm-hmm. And I believe that was the mold we were hearing. So we actually watched it with subtitles, which wound up being a huge um, step up Yeah, in that anytime there was a sound effect, it would say mystical boinging yeah, the on sound, screen. The sound would sound something like this. Mystical boinging. Mystical boinging. I mean, you gotta admit that was fire. A second shot. The the subtitle guy wrote, "Mystical boinging continues." Mm -hmm. But it was it was fire. That whole room was electric. People were screaming. Well, sure. It was. How much fun was that? It was fun. Come on. I I think I went out and got lunch. Did you? I, I yeah. My wife was hungry, so I went. I walked. Down to the corner and got her a sandwich. So you weren't into the audience, like, losing their minds? I might have missed a bit of it. Okay. Or, may, or maybe I did it during the break. I don't recall. Yeah. But I, I felt like I came back and there were like there was a samurai now. Yeah. I mean, the second half of the movie was where people really got into it. The, the brother and sister held hands. Mm-hmm. That was towards the end, yeah. And blasted yeah. the samurai with their love. Oh, my God. Incredible. And <laughs> the whole room is just, like, screaming. Yeah, I don't people know. People were chanting. I had a little bit of a harder time with it in the whole room then. Yeah. It's a little bit I mean, that might not me. be your vibe. I like, love I love when when a movie feels like you're at a wrestling show. Like and that watching Bloodbeat in that room felt like we were at a wrestling show. There's two scenes, not scenes, there's two sequences involving hunting a deer. 
Yeah. And, you know, the first one, I guess the guy comes back with the deer that he kills. And then he, then you watch Ooh. the guy gut the deer on yeah, camera. Yeah, he did gut the deer fully. Yeah, yeah. And he cuts yeah. it from, you know, stern to groin and mm -hmm. spills the guts out. Which I didn't know about. Hangs it from the tree. Would have been a good trigger warning that, Yeah, that is start, a, that's probably. a disclaimer yeah. worthy sequence. And then the... Uh, Luckily, no one got upset. Yeah, nobody left. Yeah. Some people, I mean, that's something that could have caused a real, oh, yeah. I think, emotional Especially response. with the crowd that we get for Hysteria Horror Club, because we get a lot of just like kind of... Normal off the street want to have a good time, people. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're not cultivating your crowd. Yeah. You bring all comers are welcome. Yeah. So we do try to shy away from stuff that might be upsetting, including animal violence. Did not know that had animal violence in it. Yeah. No. And I'm pretty confident that a deer was harmed in the making of this film. Yeah, that was definitely a real hunter and a real deer. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. But again, it's well, hunting. They used it. I'm you know? a bit, I, yeah, I, I ate pepperoni pizza tonight. I, yeah. don't, I don't think the pepperoni grows on a, on a vine. Mm -hmm. I understand that you know animals are harmed pathologically in our society. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a, a, a afraid of that per se. My I have family yeah. that goes hunting, I get it. Yeah, I mean, I think but it was a lot to see right off the jump. And then mm -hmm. a second time, they all go out hunting. There's five people with like machine guns about to shoot a deer. Oh my god! They <laughs> no, no harm to the animals in this scene though. <laughs> She just starts screaming and running. And sprints off. They all chase her. And then she runs into some guy who's like, like dying, slashed and killed. For no reason. Just some character that didn't have a name, right? Yeah. Like just some guy. There's also a moment out of the blue where someone is driving too fast in a truck and they just like go over a bump and get air. And we could not figure out what it was related to in the film. What's it was it? just a delight. Yeah. It felt like a, a couple guys. It's chaos. It felt like a couple guys got a... a, a Maybe not a porn actress, but they got an actress who was down to clown, mm -hmm. and they made a movie in a cabin. They're like, it'll be awesome. You'll be inhabited by like a samurai. <laughs> and it was awesome. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Five-star Madeline yeah, gives that movie five, five stars. stars. Five stars. Bloodbeat, cannot recommend it enough. I, well, I could. I yeah. could recommend it enough. <laughs> well, the, so the other thing I'll mention is, so for this um, December to Dismember Marathon, Basically, I had a stack of movies. I would present two, and the audience would vote, and then we would watch the movie that they picked in a vote. And we'd watch the trailers first so they knew kind of what they were getting into. Um, and the rule was if we started a movie and someone hated it so much that they wanted us to turn it off, they could buy myself and Tom, my co-host, a shot. So they had to buy two shots to get the movie changed. And my understanding was if somebody was enjoying it enough, they could buy shots to counteract they could counter shot yes too. yes and tom pointed out at some point that if um if anybody really did take us up on that it could turn into a real harmful situation yeah. for myself and tom but no one did nobody did but the beginning of bloodbeat was the first time anybody mentions they might yeah yeah the beginning of bloodbeat is not good by the end of bloodbeat it was the hit of the day yeah yeah like that was the biggest all, all reaction that, we got blue. from any yeah I mean, the first movie we watched was Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, which is delightful, but boring. Um, so, you know, that didn't go over that well. I, I could have bought myself a shot. I missed I that didn't. one. Yeah. Um, then we did Bloodbeat. Then the third movie we watched was... The Dutch movie. Sint. Um, Sint, Dick yeah. Moss, who did Amsterdam and Dare Lift, which is a horror movie about an elevator, made a horror movie about uh, the Dutch Santa Claus. Yeah. Coming, and this is like the 2,000-year-old Dutch god. Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. Um, St. Nicholas. Listen, I'm I'm of Dutch descent, so mm -hmm. I heard these legends growing up, which is why I voted for Sint. Yeah. I wanted to see their take on it. Yeah, and Sint probably was the best movie yeah, we watched. it didn't disappoint. It was yeah. a theatrical release. Yeah, you know, other than the um, 
bizarre uncomfortable racism that is associated with Dutch Christmas culture. Yeah, it was it which was is a, depicted in the film, but also those who engage in it do get punished. So Yeah, the Dutch are a tricky people. Yeah. I was laughing today with mm-hmm. my wife about how the Dutch uh after the Germans might be responsible for the most like global <laughs> strife yeah and somehow and it's probably thanks to the germans the dutch mostly skate on that Mm -hmm. and i i did use the word skate because the dutch invented the ice skate yeah very good many stories about skating yeah hans and the silver skates (laughs) hans brinker anderson there we go yeah yeah now those are just two different (laughs) stories about 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 hans and skates and ice skates yeah I love Dutch skates culture. But yeah, <laughs> Sint went over well because Sint is legitimately watchable. Yes. Dick Moss is a great filmmaker. I mean, the movie is bonkers, yeah, but sure. intentionally. It's about a yeah. it's about a ghoulish Saint Nicholas. Killing teens who just want to smoke weed and have sex. Who steals children up the yeah. chimney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last movie, we wound up watching Santa Slay, um, starring Goldberg as, uh, again, another year representation of that 2,000-year-old evil saint nick um which wasn't my pick but seemed like the crowd pleaser that everyone wanted i wanted to watch way i don't know riskier movies than the rest of the people there but i figured giving in and letting them see santa's sleigh was the move despite it being my birthday yeah hours six to eight were probably just for the crowd that's yeah. that's a for, that's one for them yeah although honestly scent was one for them too i mean no but i love scent scent was a rad yeah. i like santa's sleigh a lot santa's sleigh is a blast but I've seen it already, and I don't feel... Scent is something else. Yeah. It really is. Like, by the by, the conclusion of Scent is that it is a government conspiracy to allow yeah. it to continue. Yes. Like, what? Yes. That's the it's point? incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's... There's so many guns. Like, you don't expect the level of gun violence. And explosives. That, and fi- uh-huh. the, 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 boat, the, boat battles. The hero has a flamethrower. Yeah. Dick Moss knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's an entertainer and a journeyman director. That's good. Yeah. A fun one. Um, and Santa Slate is really fun. A lot of dildos too. In in scent, yeah, yeah. They're like the Dutch sec pro. The, the Dutch seem very sex positive. <laughs> they are, yeah. Amsterdam. Kudos to the Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was the December to December marathon of Astoria Horror Club. It was yeah. really fun. I'm sorry that I left a little. I don't know, oh, it's Left fine. a little early. I didn't mind. It started to snow. We had a bit of a drive. Yeah. And that snow later turned into freezing rain. So it was a good choice. Yeah, we, we lucked out a little bit by yeah. when we did. Yeah. But, so that was that. Mm-hmm. You talked about the zine. Yeah. Are you doing any other film festival programming? I mean, we're working on the Unnamed Footage Festival. So that is the Found Footage Horror Film Fest in San Francisco. We are selling early bird badges. If you would like to be in San Francisco from March 23rd to the 26th. Um, Can we talk about a simple plan? Oh, yeah. And I also am programming two nights a month at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn now. And in February, I'm going to show a simple plan. And we've had an yeah. episode on that recently. That's I mean, a big thumbs up from, that's two thumbs up from this podcast. I believe the date is February 22nd. My assumption is that it's locked. I don't think it's been published yet, but I also don't think it it, I'm, it matters if I say this. No, I'm sure. Yeah, that if it changes, said. you just can't buy tickets, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like the Alamo Draft House doesn't give a shit about me advertising uh, the screening that we're probably going to do. Yeah, between the first of the year and the yeah. 22nd of February, something will appear that will either confirm or conflict with that information. Exactly. And you should yeah. go with that information. Yeah, although I am for a fact hosting Frankenhooker January 10th at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. 
All right. Yeah, that I'm excited for. Frankenhooker is is another of my favorites. Did you do that at the Astoria Horror? We did. I showed Frankenhooker at Astoria Horror Club as well. Um, I didn't see that one. It I, was I missed it. A small turnout, so I'm gonna influ- I'm gonna try to talk people Boost into coming the out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like, yeah, I know we're in Queens, but come to Brooklyn. No one wants to do that. Take the L. Yeah. Oh God. Take the, the Q, G to the, the L. Q might do it. No, Does Q the Q Queens? doesn't go to Queens. What a stupid. The what a fuck up. The N, R, and W all go to Queens. And they would take you down to Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Nothing goes to Borough Hall. Where is, <sighs> where is the, uh, actually, where is in, where in Brooklyn is this uh, Alamo Draft House? It's like Flatbush area. Okay. Yeah. So the F train. F, F is good. Yeah. F is for Flatbush. F is for Flatbush. Yeah. Ah, it's the Alamo Draft House. You can find it. It's on every map. It can be found. Mm-hmm. It's a big theater, I assume. It is. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah, it's at the top of a mall. And it's got a bar in it called the Wax Museum, which is like the weirdest laid out bar, but it's all full of old Wax Museum stuff. It's pretty, love, it's pretty sweet. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. Like not the best bar to hang out at because it's of not- all the wax monsters? Yeah. It's like weird to sit and it's too dark, but it is uh, full of wax monsters. All the wax John Travolta's? Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of like old medical wax sculptures. I'm sure that it's not all John Travolta wax sculptures. I wish there was a single one. But don't you feel like maybe a bar- that's just different John Travolta's made of wax would do it. I do think that would be huge. Don't you feel like, I mean, it might yeah. not, it might What's not the stand name the of test the bar? of time. What if they only showed John Travolta movies also? No, no, no. That You're already overdoing it. No, I just want to watch The Fanatic. The Fanatic? Yeah, the Fred Durst film. I don't know this one. So Fred, is this recent? This is, is this like two years ago. Oh, is this like shaved head John Travolta? I mean, actually, I guess it's like four years ago at this point. Time. There's some good John Travolta stuff. This is he not. was in De Palma's, uh, he was in Blow Up, right? Yeah, Blow Up's fantastic. Yeah. I, Blow Up is a 4th of July movie. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, staying Alive. <laughs> staying Alive. Obviously. Yeah, could have chosen Boogie Nights. The, the, no, it's nope. not even Boogie Nights. You oh my God. chosen Boogie See, Nights. See, I had to choose Staying Alive because I don't remember. Saturday what, Night Thank fever. you. I don't remember what the superior film is. Welcome back, Car- Carter. Mr. Cate. I've never seen it. I've only heard people do that. He's in impression. Carrie. I didn't know that. Yeah, very young. We saw his album today. Oh my God. I wanted it, but it was like 40 bucks. <sighs> a lot. I wasn't worth it. It might have only been 15. No, if it was 15, I would have bought it. I'll go back. If it I'll was 15, it, I would have bought and that. And I'll sell it to you for $15. Okay, do it. Go pay 40 bucks and then sell it to me for $15. I love this arrangement. Didn't he look beautiful on the cover of that album? Uh, yeah, he did. He was a young, dashing lad. Incredible eyelashes on yeah. John Travolta. Anyhow, Travolta. <laughs> in, I don't know, 2019, 2018, um, made a movie with, it would it must have been 2018, with Fred Durst. So Fred Durst directed, stars Travolta and Devin Sawa. It's called The Fanatic. I think Fred Durst is from Jersey City, New Jersey. Well, that kind of tracks. I he, mean, might, he might not be. That, that's somewhere where someone who has his kind of overall thing, but also is really into the Yankees would live. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. Um. So uh, Devin Sawa is like a basically playing a version of himself. He's like an old actor who does conventions and things, like kind of B movie actor. And John Travolta is. I have to I have to contradict myself. He was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, that actually makes way more sense, except the Yankees thing. Interestingly, yeah, it says on his Wikipedia entry, born Jacksonville, Florida, and mm-hmm. then below that it says origin. Gastonia, North Carolina. Whoa. <laughs> what does that mean? 
is that where his, he was? His parents conceived. That's where the idea of that's where the idea of Fred Durst was conceived. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but right, John Travolta plays a hardcore genre fan who likes to go to conventions and get signatures and has no social grace, and I think maybe is working through some shit left over from the passing of his son, if you know about that. And it is, how do I put it? Wait, Devin um, Sawa? Yeah. Does his, has his son actually died? No, I'm talking about Travolta. Oh, Travolta. Yes, Travolta's son who... Um, in, are you talking about in real life? In real life. His wife also died. When did his wife die? Kelly Preston? She died like three years ago. Okay, so his son died... Decades ago. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was um, on the spectrum and had several other problems, but they did not treat him due to their Scientology beliefs. And it was complications from that um, that killed him. And so Travolta has, is clearly trying to reckon with this. And he gives a, a performance in this movie that is... Simple Jack level? Yeah. It's troubling. It's really troubling. He's going for that third bite at the apple. Yeah. I can still be famous. Mm -hmm. I just have to be... Well, no, this movie is clearly like a, an art project. Like it's a low budget thing that they were all kind of really passionate about doing. And like all the photos of them looks like they got to be like real buddies. But it's just, it's so... Like, this is one of my favorite thing. Like, my favorite thing is movies that exist that really shouldn't exist. Somebody should have stopped them. And The Fanatic, like, cleanly falls into that category. Well, uh, I'm sorry that it does exist. No. But I'm glad that you've seen it. I love it. I've yeah. seen it so many times. Oh, no. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. And it only played in, like, two theaters. So. I, re I watched a YouTube video the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was uh, Roto's Basilisk Dilemma. What? It's an ethical dilemma. Or, uh, I oh, guess. like TikTok keeps giving to me. Well, kind of, I guess. Yeah. I can't speak to what TikTok gives you, but mm -hmm. it's about a 10-minute video. Uh, I could I could direct a link to you or include it in my room. But the premise of the the dilemma actually arrives from explaining the dilemma. Oh. What makes it unethical is addressing the concept at all. Okay, which it, that's how I felt talking about The Fanatic. Yeah, sharing in, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I'm thinking of it now. And especially even expressing how much I enjoy watching the movie. I could try to explain it yeah. if you wanted, although I might not do it entirely justice. Will I have to bleep anything? No. Oh, okay, then go for it. The basic premise of this dilemma yeah. is that if we, take, if we take the position that at some point an artificial intelligence that will be powerful enough to simulate all human existence that preceded it and that you know exists concurrently with it it's me pouring wine i need wine for this if we if we begin from the premise that that is a possibility that something an ai powerful enough to accurately simulate all human existence prior to its existence and what follows to the extent that it is possible yeah if that ai were to be hostile to those who did not, who either challenged its creation or did not act affirmatively to bring it into creation, then every person, and every person listening now is actually 
looped in, yeah. every person who has now considered its existence yeah. must take steps to actively ha- accelerate its development. Okay. Because if they don't, the artificial intelligence will know that they didn't, and they will subject those people to essentially infinite torment through, by example, elect- attaching electrodes to their brain and simulating a duration of time that lasts a billion lifetimes okay. in pain. Yeah. Like, And that's within the realm of possibility. In fact, there's like a black mirror yeah. about that concept. And so the, the the ethical dilemma arises from even sharing this information at the first. Yeah, because, because now, now you've cursed the listener. Now we both see prior to this yeah. conversation, I had to take steps to bring it into existence. And maybe by doing this and this is the ring. Well, it's a little bit like It's the, the tape. The way that you right. stop the tape from killing you is you show the tape to someone else. Yeah. So by... But that's just delaying, that's just, or avoiding, I don't know that you're bringing anything into creation. Because you're, because you're not only saving yourself, you're dooming other people. Yeah, I guess that's like spreading. I I I mean, I guess it's more like a virus. You spread the virus so the virus doesn't die out. You create the virus. if you let the virus... Because right now it doesn't exist. Yeah. But but we are now both incentivized to create That's it. a fun one. I'd like to read the original text, honestly. Uh, yeah, it was actually originally created, it was just hypothesized by some user. Yeah. On, Is this like a Reddit thing? Not, ex- it's like a Reddit okay. thing, but it, I don't believe it started on Reddit. I think it, it's always so funny to me when you like, you actually find like real intelligent people who are doing good writing and good thinking on platforms like Reddit. Someone proposed this premise on Lesswrong.com. Something awful.com. Well, no, no, it's <laughs> unfortunate. It's, it's some, yeah, it's some blog or some forum yeah, yeah, dedicated yeah, yeah. to logical syllogisms and you know ethical dilemmas. Oh, that's fun. I like that. And yeah. the moderators deleted it in every reference to it because they said it started to inspire real existential anxiety amongst the, the people that were understandable. Yeah. yeah. They said, if this, this is, is in a forum where people do think about this stuff all the time. Yeah. The very so. Yeah. Do you want to bleep it? I don't know. No, I don't want to bleep it's it. It's the kind of thing that our our eight listeners are, you know, good. They they have well rounded brains. We'll all die out before it happens. That too. Yeah. 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 Well, we spread it. We spread the basilisk. There it goes. Samara's out. Yeah. Or um, uh, Sudoku. But I, but I I made my wife. I tried to explain it to my wife, and yeah. I thought I did a poor job. And frankly, the video goes on for ten minutes to explain why, in more detail, the. I do hear that. Is that from outside or is that from inside? We can pause it. Yes. Then I, we, then I, I, then I am ready. We're back. I'm recording. Yeah, we paused briefly. We heard yeah. a, a fan. And then we wanted, we, well, thank you for listening to us talk about Roku's Basilisk. Yeah, Roku's ba- yeah, something like that. Roku, the television device. That's not it. Yep. Nope. It's a thinker on a, a website that I've never once opened on my browser. I like that. Anyway, I appreciate your attention to that. Yeah, I shared it with my wife. We got a kick out of it. The video, um, you'd find it likely on YouTube if you looked that yeah. subject up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the one I found was about ten minutes or eleven minutes long, hosted by some uh, you know gentle nerdy guy with a beard <laughs> and, a, and I think he's got like a man bun. It's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So it's the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You'll probably you'll probably hear this on the first of the year, right? Of the third of the twenty third year. Yeah. But uh, and in spirit of the end of the year, do you want to do any? Uh, you know, do you have any any end of year constructs that you want to do? In, in I mean, in? yeah, there is one, which is that I wanted to um, do our our top five movies of the year. And do they are they ranked? Top five or just five the the five ones. I don't think they have to be ranked. I have yeah. a hard time with ranking. I have a hard time with that. And too. I also like didn't want to put like 
I mean, there's a couple of movies that like are in my top five easily that I just didn't really want to talk about, like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which we already talked about. Yeah, no, that's on mine also. Yeah, and then it's also on yours. So that might I don't... be number one on mine. Yeah, there was number two on mine, and then I'm like, well, we already talked about it, and Al- Alfred might want to talk about I it, so I'll Terrifier just take it off. <laughs> Terrifier Two is on my list, yeah. and I wasn't going to take it off. No, no. Um, I mean, in fact, that would be my number five is Terrifier Two. And that would be your, so the lowest entry. Yes. Only in order of which I decided to talk about them. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't, but rank is silly. These are just five movies yeah. you care very much about. I mean, I listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 movies. And then I listed movies I didn't see that may have been favorites if I had seen them. Oh, you did so much more work than I did. I mean, it's hard for me. And then I wrote the worst movie of the year that I'm obsessed with. Let's start there. Okay. So the worst movie I saw this year that I'm obsessed with and I love and I talk about all the time is a movie called Grim Cuddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing so loud. I, mean, I apologize for all the people listening in their, in their uh, Apple in their AirPods homes. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with their children sleeping beside them. Yeah. <laughs> but Grim Cuddy was a Hulu original. Um, well, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just laugh at the name Grim it's Cuddy. It's so good, right? Yeah, it is. It's a wonderful name. So it's a Hulu original film. About um, a small, it's a town with kids, teens, they go to school and their parents start getting really afraid of an online trend, which is to watch YouTube videos that have grim cutting in them. And then the kids all cut themselves because of the YouTube videos, which is a play on the Momo um, concept. So Momo was an image of of a piece of art. It was like a literal sculpture that an artist made. And someone took a picture of it and then created what was essentially a creepypasta, but not published as a creepypasta, about YouTube videos that would have Momo spliced into them and Momo would describe to children in graphic detail how to commit suicide. And this was, again, a creepypasta that got picked up by news stations. And news stations were like, uh, TikTok trend. Momo teaches you to kill yourself and like was on Fox News and like all that shit. And that's a real thing. This is a real that's thing that happened. And, and parents were afraid of it and it was all a hoax. Like that didn't exist. It was a still image of a sculpture that someone made. Like th- this video doesn't exist. And so this movie is a horror movie kind of based on that concept, except Grim Cuddy exists. And what Grim Cuddy looks like is he's got a build like Gru from Despicable Me, but he's dressed kind of like a greaser in a leather jacket. <laughs> and he's got big teeth. <laughs> and this movie is terrible. <laughs> it, it's like the kids are like, we don't know what Grim Cuddy is and we don't care. And the parents are obsessed and they don't, they won't stop talking about Grim Cuddy. And they're like threatening their children and taking their phones. And they're like, phones are bad. They rot your brain. And the kids are like, we don't know what you're talking about. And then because the parents are so afraid, they manifest Grim Cuddy into existence. And he just kind of like appears and like glomps around and then like gets a, gets a knife and waves the knife. It's so delightfully terrible. This movie is bad. So that's number one on your list. That is not on my list. For uh, for uh, not good. But yeah. I can't stop thinking or talking. You're compelled to talk about Grim Cuddy. I can't stop thinking or talking <laughs> about Grim Cuddy. So Grim Cuddy is real. Yeah. It is and happening then, now. Actually, this was a really good year for move, bad movies about phones. Give me another one. I watched another one. This I watched yesterday. 
And when I put it on, I didn't know what it was. You watched the movie yesterday? No, 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 no. I watched it yesterday. Okay. It's called Mr. Harrigan's oh. Phone. Oh, yeah, t- yeah. This is a Stephen King story. Yes. I've not watched it, but I know of it. Um, and I didn't know it was a Stephen King story, nor did I know it was a horror movie when I put it on. Okay. Um, I just thought it was a movie that was on Netflix that wasn't supposed to be very good. And it's about, it's like set in 2009 or 2010, right when the iPhone came out. And it's Donald Sutherland is a really rich old man. Mr. Harrigan? Yeah, he's Mr. Harrigan. And he hires a kid to come and read to him because he's not good at reading anymore. And him and the kid get close and they fall in love. And then the kid, Mr. Harrigan gives him scratch off tickets for his birthday every year and he wins $3,000. So instead of like buying himself a fucking PlayStation 3 like any normal child would do, he buys Mr. Harrigan an iPhone so that they both have iPhones so they can text each other. And then he like gives but he, the f- but he can't read. I don't fucking understand. This movie sucks. Um, Stephen King is known to occasionally not do it, not get it right. Right. And so Mr. Harrigan gets the phone and he's like, "I keep reading the news, but I'm not paying for it." And I think that means that in the future someone will manipulate it to take advantage of us. And then the like voiceover comes on and he's like, little did he know he predicted the future of fake news in the Trump election. And I like losing my mind screaming in my office watching this. Um, <laughs> and then Mr. Harrington dies. Yeah. And the kid keeps texting him and he texts back and that's the movie. Okay, that does sound like dog shit. It's dog shit. It makes no sense. The ending is so unsatisfying. All right, don't talk. Don't spoil the ending. But there is... I could spoil, don't spoil it, it and it wouldn't change anything. No, it will. All right. Some people like it, it's, so don't wreck also, it. Also, I just... Look, if you if you yeah. just listen to her describe that movie and you're like, I gotta see this movie, go watch the movie. I mean, I feel like it would be helpful to know the ending because no. it's so bad. No, 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 no. Let people but have But what's experience. hysterical to me is that in the year 2022... Somebody made the black phone based on Joe Hill. Well, and, the black phone is on my list. And the, the black phone's great. I also didn't put it on my list because I thought you might put it on yours. Black phone is great. I love the black phone. And Joe Hill keeps saying, like, I'm not like my father. Don't compare me to my father. Uh, and no, you're in the same year, like In the same year, someone makes a movie about a young kid talking to dead people on the phone based on a Stephen King story okay. called Mr. Harrigan's Phone. Look, I like Stephen King. Yeah. I think that I think it is fair to call him the most successful author of the 20th century. That I won't argue with. I think that he is both talented and productive. <laughs> he doesn't always hit. That's the hazard of being productive. Sometimes yeah. you produce something that isn't like sterling. You mm-hmm. know? It's easier to write one great novel than 100 great novels. Yeah. And he's written 100 novels or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's got some lesser novels, but he's got a lot of really intense, memorable stories. And many of his stories don't really translate to film well. Mm -hmm. And they keep adapting them. The best, is it possible that the best Stephen King adaptation is Misery? I mean, Misery is fantastic. Misery is a four-star, five-star movie. I haven't read Misery, though. I've read The Dead Zone, and I really like the movie. I I have not seen The Dead Zone. i got to see that one. Yeah. Carrie. I've read read Carrie, and I love Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. People love obviously The Shining, but Stephen King I didn't really like notably the book. doesn't love the yeah. Shining movie. I really love the movie. I didn't really like the book. I love the book. Found it a little repetitive. I think the book is. Yeah. I think that book is a really, really good book. Yeah, that's a book about addiction, 
and uh, the impact it has on people. And that's it. That, that book is really good. And mm-hmm. uh, the movie is fine. Whoa. The movie is a, a Kubrick movie. Yeah. But it has almost no connection to yeah. the source material. But as a movie. It's fine. Really? Yeah. I, I think The Shining is an absolute banger. The Shining is a fantastic film. The, the, I think the supernatural is too uh, forced. It's too obvious. Yeah. The book is really about a guy losing his mind because he's separated from television and alcohol. But you're only viewing it from having read the book. I saw the movie first. Yeah. And you still weren't I think that book, hot on it? After reading the book, I thought the book was a better story. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. I, I was never particularly moved by the movie. I don't really. Uh, yeah. I, don't I, I just really love the filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah. We watched it a couple of years ago, me and my wife and yeah. our friends. And, uh, one of our friends had never seen it before, so I said, "Oh, you should watch it. It's like, it's like a bona fide classic." And watching it again, I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. It's okay." Although I'll say this: the documentary about The Shining, I think it's called Room Two Two Seven or Two Two Seven or whatever. Uh, I can't. The the, 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 it's room the room number is so iconic, and I can't remember yeah, it either. It's the room two four three The documentary about that mm-hmm. with that title is yeah. really compelling. It's about how people have become, you know. People believe Kubrick to have been so uh, intentional yeah. and specific that every frame deserves analysis. Yeah. And there's some pretty rad hypotheses about what he was trying to do with that movie. Mm-hmm. And if you've not seen that documentary, and I know that I didn't really name it, but you'll yeah. find it. Yeah. You should watch that. Mm-hmm. That is, to my perspective, more interesting than the movie. Director's name is Rodney Asher, if I, I'm I have no not idea. mistaken. I mean, maybe I should double check that because it's possible I just like said something insane. Um, Rodney Asher. But one, of, you know, one of the hypotheses is that yes, it's all, room two thirty seven. It's all about you know yeah. the massacre of the Native American indigenous population, and others mm-hmm. that it's about how Kubrick filmed the fake moon landing. Like, <laughs> and there's clues. It, it's it's genuinely yeah. pretty compelling as a yeah. documentary. I mean, there's just um, there's a piece of I find stuff about Kubrick really fun. Yeah, I yeah. agree. That that documentary to me is better than the movie. The I should Shining. watch it. I mean, I I love The Shining. It's a quickie, and I've already now spoiled half of it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's very long. The documentary? Yeah. It is not. Are you sure? The one I'm describing moves along at a brisk clip. Oh, okay. It's only an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's The Nightmare, which is his other movie. He made a really long movie, I swear. But maybe I'm crazy and it just seems like long to me to watch a documentary about something. Fan theories about The Shining? Yeah, like that concept makes me tired. Yeah, well, you know, I heard an interview... I heard an interview with Chuck Klosterman back when it was released. Yeah. And he said, you know, it's funny. In the age of the internet, it seems like these fan theories are everywhere. Oftentimes they come to dominate the cultural consensus on what a movie actually does mean. Mm -hmm. But for The Shining, it was a lot harder to develop that kind of attention to detail. Yeah. Because you couldn't just open a file and go frame by frame. You had to own either reel-to-reel or you had to own a videotape. But videotape was poor. The aspect ratio was off. And so Chuck Klosterman said, you know, the... The dedication of these people to this movie actually is in the context of what available materials existed at like the time that they yeah. would have been making theory crafting. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a dedication to a film way before modern mm-hmm. uh you yeah. know, JJ Abrams sort of like seeding the crowd with film theory crafting. Yeah. Which existed. that's the stuff that I'm not into. Yeah. So this so, so this I, documentary I actually is might about find it, sort of an authentic yeah. love of a single movie mm-hmm. watched by somebody thirteen thousand times. You know, something like that. It's really 
The, the documentary is interesting. The movie I, I, leaves me a little cold. Yeah. Jack Nicholson is excellent. Uh, what's her name? Shelley Duvall, excellent. Yeah. I, people, I, I have in my, I'm now 42 years old. Uh-huh. You and I both shared a birthday. Yeah. Well, we didn't share one, but we both. It was obs- like two we, days apart. Yeah, we both observed yeah. a birthday this month or uh, in December. And mm-hmm. uh, it feels to me like in the last year, I've started to hear a ton of like uh, Shelley Duvall criticism based on that movie. People are like really critical of her performance. Yeah, no, people like, I think she got a Razzie for it. She did. I, I, I'm yeah. shocked by that. It ruined her career. Really? Yeah, she kind of went into hiding. Is after. it Shelley Duvall? Shelley Duvall, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, uh, she's wonderful. She, yeah. her fear and confusion. Yeah. Well, is... I will say like Kubrick has said a lot of incredibly misogynistic things about directing actresses, um, which probably comes as no surprise to anyone if they know anything about men in the 70s, I guess. Um, if you've seen one picture of Kubrick, yeah, you, you, know, you, know, you know how he feels about actresses. Yes. <laughs> um, and so they were, they were brutal to her. Yeah, I know. I've yeah. heard that story. Yeah. That he that he did try to like bring about a psychiatric episode mm-hmm. in Shelley Duvall. Yeah, and her performance is incredible. It is incredible. It's incredibly yeah. authentic. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So, so, so let's do our, our fives. I'll so just, I'll you, start, let's start with number five. I, I've already spilled the beans. Yeah. I thought, I, you already the, named a couple of yours. So I don't think I've named a couple. I named the black phone though. No, you named one other. You're right. Ha ha. My number one. All right, name your number five. What's number your number f- five? Well, I get I, again. There, there's not really an order here. It's yeah. Not, it's not like number five is. This is the order we're gonna go through them. Yeah. Yeah. These are five movies that I can remember really enjoying. Mm-hmm. That's really what these are. Yeah. And I and I sat down briefly and I thought about it and I said, boy, it's funny. One year blends into another. So I I looked at my letterboxed. That's actually how I do mine too. And. And I I wasn't diligent in recording, yeah. so I, so I know there's some that I'm missing, and yeah. you might even tell me that you and I saw a movie that I responded well to that I'm not describing tonight. <laughs> so this couldn't mean less. But number five, I guess for me, is the Black Fun. I think we did talk about it on the podcast, so mm-hmm. I won't go too far. Yeah, I feel uh, like we also talked about it just a little earlier. Uh, yeah, I don't need to beat it to yeah. death, but I think the Black Fun is great. Yeah. I went and read the story. The story is good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, while watching, and I felt like it was vintage Stephen King. So to hear that Joe Hill, <laughs> his son, doesn't want to be associated with his dad, yeah, pretty dumb. Yeah. But I get it. I I have gone through periods where I didn't want to be associated with my dad, and I did end up doing the exact same thing he did. So. So yeah. Sometimes that's how things go. Black it, Phone is like an honorable mention on my top 10. I do really like it. I love how it's made. Um, I do think some of it is kind of goofy, but I oh. think Ethan Hawke's performance is so fucking unbelievable and the effects in the basement are so good. Ethan Hawke is great. And it's just so fun. There's a, it, it, it depicts violence between yeah. teenagers in a way that movies usually don't, mm-hmm. not, especially not in the last 20 years. Which I liked. Real yeah. violence. Kids mm-hmm. hit each other hard, and they do. And when I went to high school, kids got into real fights, yeah. and this caught that. And my dad talked about fights in his high school <laughs> that were way more savage than the ones that were depicted here. So yeah. I think that movie is good. If you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. go see it. I don't know what's, keeping, what's holding you back. So I'm going to change my number five. I, well, you didn't have to say that. Why? Did you submit the list someplace? No, I said it was Terrifier 2 earlier. Oh, all right. I'm going to take Terrifier 2 off my list. What? My honest list is all Terrifier 2. It's just Terrifier 2 five times. times. You did see it at least twice. I saw it twice in theaters. It's very long, too. So let's just take Terrifier 2 off because I talked about it already, whatever. I'm going to replace it with Moonfall. What? Yeah. Number five on my list is Moonfall. Was that even released this year? It was. Holy God. (laughs) Incredible, right? Moonfall (sighs) is such a delight. Moon Moonfall is so it is moon conspiracy theorist yeah, that's bullshit. Hollow moon taken 
to the like nth degree. Roland Emmerich. Unbelievable. Might be responsible for more psychological and intellectual degradation in this country than anybody else. I, he's definitely up there. He's made movie after movie yeah. that pays real, uh, what's well, not attention to, but you know, it serves these nonsense hypotheses, these bizarre conspiracy theories yeah. with, with hundreds of millions of dollars of sci-fi budget. Yeah. I found learning about megastructures through this lens to be one of the most delightful film watching experiences I had in 2022. It is such shit. It is so stupid. Yeah, no, Roland Emmerich yeah. is a bad dude, yeah. frankly. Socially the movie irresponsible. Just, it just is so if it, it's just like stitched together of bizarre scenes. It it just like ramps up so fast and then they go to the moon and it's hollow. And it's amazing. So Moonfall is my number five. Interestingly, just uh, there's a um, there's a an animated YouTube channel that I love called Kurzgesagt. It's German. Okay. K u r z e Kurzgesagt. G e That that in response to Moonfall, put out an episode, twelve minutes long, mm -hmm. of what would happen if the moon actually started to draw closer to Earth. Yeah. And that video yeah. is my number one video of the year oh my god that video is so but have you seen the visual of the moon just like touching the earth uh, and like causing a tsunami or whatever kurtz Gazard's oh video about what happens as the moon draws closer to the earth is so compelling that when my wife and i want and it's animated with these gentle mm -hmm. little like birds like all the people are little birds it's cute as hell mm -hmm. And they decided to break. They said, you know, they initially start off by saying that's not how physics works. The moon can't be. The, the moon cannot fall. Yeah. If anything, it will spin off into space. Yes. But that also cannot happen mm -hmm. because of how physics, you know, mass and <laughs> gravitational forces work. Yeah. However, for the purposes of this video, we'll assume that magic has inspired the moon. Some <laughs> some cult has drawn the moon toward us. Yeah. And so we'll. It's aliens who made a hollow moon, well, and then they fell asleep accidentally at so the wheel, and you, then the moon started coming to the earth. And this, it's so good. This YouTube video of what happens as the moon draws closer to Earth is so chilling yeah. and, and moving yeah. that at one point, and they, they decide to describe it in terms of like what happens one month in, two months in, three yeah. months in. At this point, this I is... I mean, you haven't read 70s. No, I I've know. I've recommended it to you I want times. to. I will. I must. In yeah. fact, I will. Which kind of is him trying to physically figure out how, he, how could that could happen. Yeah, which is the moon splits into seven pieces. I watched it with my wife, and yeah. at, at like month four, she's like, "Oh my god!" Like it, yeah. it brought about an emotional response to my wife that was shocking. I mean, I think this is sort of telling you probably what happens in the first few chapters of Seven Eves. Yeah, yeah, and it continues to the end, mm -hmm. and it and it's a thir it's a genuinely exhilarating brief story about what happens when the moon starts to fall. Yeah. Kurtz Gazad on YouTube. Watch it; they're scientifically accurate. Super, super video. Seven Eves is not brief, but it's worth Oh, Neil Stevenson's page. genius. I love oh, my, that guy. Seven Eves is his best book, in my opinion. It's Cryptonomicon. And I think it might be my favorite book of all time. Yeah, Cryptonomicon yeah. is historically my favorite book. I, I have said that as my favorite book for about 20 years. Yeah. So I, I, should, I should read Seven Eves. Yeah. All okay. right. So, so that my moon, number five, I'm giving to Moonfall. <laughs> fuck you. Come on. Moonfall, Black Phone. I don't get name drop Grim Cuddy earlier. What uh, do you expect from me? I'll get, all right, they'll here, get better. Number, no, they'll get better after this. All right, yeah. so yeah, mine are actually again. It's not exactly off the cuff because mm -hmm. I have been thinking about it, but I, but I'm I'm mysteriously conflicted. I feel like I can't recall movies that I've seen, yeah. and recency bias is flooding. Well, there's me. only one that if it's not on your list, I'm going to call you out. Good, you should. Okay, remind me. 
Yeah. I just on on Tuesday of this week, I saw the movie Avatar two. Yeah. I'm gonna put that on my list. I was thinking that. I was hoping that would be on your list. I loved it. Oh yeah. I'm inclined to go see it again. I made the mistake. I thought you were gonna see it again. I made the mistake of buying tickets that were not in 3D. I'm full. I'm go see it in 3D. I I uh, my my local AMC uh, Dolby Cinema. Yeah. Had a showing in the Dolby that wasn't the 3D Dolby. Yeah. And it was still thrilling, but. Honestly, Avatar's kind of a like a theme park ride. Yeah. I saw Aren't you going to go see it again on Friday? I, I'm going to try. I haven't bought the tickets yet, so okay. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Frankly. It might be sold out. It's what, it was so funny to me when it came out that first weekend and people were like, it's a bomb. It's not making any money. And I'm like, it's fucking Avatar. Give it four weeks. Four weeks? It didn't even any, take it. It didn't have, take four weeks. Do you have any idea how much money it's made? So much fucking money now. Close to $1 billion yes. in, in approximately Yes, days. and people were acting like because it didn't make that much money in three days, it was a failure. And I thought it would take it four weeks. It is probably going to be the biggest movie ticket sales-wise oh, yeah. in history. Oh, yeah. It might it might hit $2 billion in its first mm-hmm. run. But it's still funny to me, the people who don't know that but read the articles early on and they're still saying it. And I'm like, I think you need to check the, check your math. <sighs> check, go it. go look at it. I feel like I've, yeah. I've talked about Avatar. I saw Avatar. When Avatar came out, uh, a humorist that I liked who wrote on the internet back then, a guy named D- Gabe Delahaye, mm-hmm. he, uh, we, you know, he saw the, the trailer that they put on during the Super Bowl and he said it's weird that they spent $200 million to make a – uh, World of Warcraft expansion, <laughs> like demo, <laughs> and I laughed, and and that completely killed my interest in seeing it. Honestly, he like he just put put a, a a pin in the balloon. Yeah, and then a month and a half later, it was still in theaters. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I might as well. There's a theater up the street for me. I'll go see it in a. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Avatar IMAX was 3D. in theaters for like six months. Yeah, yeah. IMAX 3D. Like, yeah, it was seven or eight weeks later, mm-hmm. and I I went and saw it with my brother. He came in to see me at law school. I was like, do you want to go see Avatar in 3D and IMAX? It's like here at this giant New York s- screen. He was like, sure, why not? And it made me cry, and I loved it. It's one of my favorite movie th- theater, yeah. theater movie theater experiences. Mm-hmm. And then the, the woman I was dating at the time, we were having tacos one night, like four months later. Yeah. And we saw this IMAX we just walked past an IMAX theater and it had Avatar in the marquee. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and I looked to see what the show times were. And there was one like, it was like, like se- five minutes. It was like 7.30 p.m. Yeah. And the show was at 7.45. I'm like, yeah. do you want to see Avatar? And she's like, I never really, I don't really care about it. I'm like, would you though? And she goes, sure, I guess. <laughs> and it made me cry. And she, it made her like, she was like bawling crying. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, the movie's really so fucking intense. Why is this new and good? Um... Well, it is a see the 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 end of that story is I finally got my wife to go see Avatar in three D like three weeks ago because yeah. they re released it mm-hmm. and I kind of coached myself I was pre- prepping myself and her I'm like look this may not be quite as amazing as I've described the experience was to mm-hmm. me in two thousand eight or two thousand nine or whenever the first one was released yeah. But it was still pretty rad, honestly. Uh-huh. And the and the basic premise is, you know, it's just, it's anti-colonialist, yeah. And it's very pro. It's like green, you know. There's a real green through line. It's it's about a about this urban industrial conglomerate, you know, assailing this environment that has an uh, an an ore that they want. Mm-hmm. And you know, the the whole planet ultimately fights back. That's Avatar One. Yes. And in Avatar Two, uh, we pick up. Approximately 15 years later. Okay. And uh, there's now, you know, the guy from the first one is still here. He's in his like, 
It was like transferred into his avatar permanently at the end of the first one. Okay. And so now it's just this guy. The first movie is about a guy who like logs into this like comp- this you know. Uh, uh, have you seen Avatar? No. Oh, oh, it's really cool actually. So it, it's it's set on this planet far away, and he's in deep. The guy is uh, the, the he's a marine who's paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah. Whose brother was a scientist? The twin brother was a scientist, mm-hmm. and they have these blue men. These like avat- the, they're called Navi, mm-hmm. and so they've figured out a way to develop in a lab a sort of a Navi body into which you can, if, you know, sort of like plug in. Yeah. So you can control this Navi body while you're unconscious in a tube. Yeah. The body's else. fake though, right? Like the body's not a living creature. That it is a living creature that they took over. No, it's it's grown. The same way, you okay. know, a child might be grown. In Is a there tube. ever any debate about its, you know, authenticity? Like, no, not authenticity, but it's like own free will. Oh well, it's an avatar. That's the, t- the so it's mo- empty. That's the literal name of the movie. Okay. It's, the movie's about a person who's mm-hmm. so he's he is summoned to this operation yeah. because his twin identical twin brother died. Okay, and they developed these avatars. Which are kind of like virtual reality, mm-hmm. but it, they, I guess my question is like, when you log out, does it go to sleep? Like, does it? Yes, do, it, 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 okay, it so collapses. It just, okay, there we go. Lifeless. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. I was a, thinking it pup- would just go back to being itself. No, no, and like, it's, whoa, that was fun. It's a puppet. <laughs> it's a puppet that you can okay, operate. I, I mean, it. frankly, James Cameron has been kind of infatuated with mech suits. Yes, for since a his long first film. time, <laughs> and uh, this is a suit that looks like the indigenous people yeah. into which you can insert your consciousness. And so the movie's about the, the premise of the movie is a scientist died, and rather than scrap and effectively destroy the suit that was tuned to his DNA, give it to his twin. They're going to let his twin do it. And yeah. his twin was a Marine who lost the use of his legs in a combat operation. Mm-hmm. And so there's a military outpost on uh, the planet. Right. And, he, and the, the corporal that's in charge of it says, hey, we got. It's actually kind of interesting to have yeah. one of us in one of these things yeah. because everybody else that's operating them is the, it's these pencil necks that care about the, you know, like it's these anthropologists and mm-hmm. these geologists and so on. Yeah, but our war guy is the main character. Yeah, but our soldier yeah. is the guy who we follow. He's like, And so the corporal says, look, you give us the, go in there, figure out what they're like, tell us where we can hit them. And when we get you out of this, when the mission is over, we'll fix you. The, there isn't enough budget. To fix every broken okay. marine, and but but you could be justified as getting your le- your real legs back. Okay. And so the whole movie is about this guy sort of like infiltrating the native culture, the and indigenous then culture, turning on his guys. And over time, he comes to kind of realize, like, well, hold on, what are what exactly are we doing to <laughs> these people? Turns out these guys are good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. they're why. What you want to do will absolutely eradicate them. Mm-hmm. Why why are we actually here? Yeah. And it's all for this fucking rock. So then, what is the sequel about? Well, he, the you know the end of that is that they fight back and so on. Yeah. And uh, the sequel is about that guy and sort of getting permanently like uploaded into the body, the yeah. avatar. Mm-hmm. And so it's ten years later. They've at the end of the first one, they've repelled the people, the humans. Yeah. But it takes seven years to get there from Earth. So this is literally like seven years getting back, seven years coming back, seven years back to Earth, seven years back to the, the planet mm-hmm. to fix things. To like, mm-hmm. to, like well, our interest in this planet has not been resolved, and so it's it's very much about finding a resource, yeah, that is simply unavailable anywhere else that is worth the cost, and you know, mining this place for everything it's worth. And I don't want to spoil more of it, although having not seen the first one, I don't know if you 
could care about the ways that it could be spoiled. Yeah. But um, Sigourney Weaver's in both. Uh-huh. She's great. Love her. I like her. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, it's surprisingly thrilling. Mm-hmm. The big set piece, the one that makes people cry in Avatar 1, yeah. is they live in this tree. It's like home tree or world tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, he reveals to the army, basically, this tree is their whole culture. Yeah. And, and you know, the, one of the cool aspects of the movie is uh, every, like, under the... It's not even all that science fiction-y. It's sort of based in reality, but all the trees are connected underground. Mm-hmm. And the the uh this like old great mother world tree thing actually kind of it consumes the flesh of the dead and their okay. their consciousness is very directly accessible you could like the navi can like jack into it so those that have gone before are still kind of accessible through this like i don't know whatever it's spiritual mumbo jumbo in a mm-hmm. sense but it's pretty nice uh the big set piece in the first one that brings the house down is they just annihilate this tree. <laughs> okay. Like the military comes in and fucking firebombs it <laughs> to hell. And it is it is full James Cameron, yeah. like terrifying. Yeah. I mean, my wife saw it four weeks ago and she's uh-huh. like, holy shit. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's it is de- it is like devastating to yeah. behold. Uh-huh. And there is a comparable moment in this next one. Mm-hmm. But the stakes are different. The stakes are simply different. And I, I, yeah. watching the movie, I'm like, it's funny. Having just seen it, the stakes are kind of at the same time smaller and larger. Yeah. And there's this moment in this movie where, where for the because they need a thing, they just need some resource that is only accessible from one location, one source. They destroy something that has value. It you know it's the ultimate it's Oscar Wilde's definition of cynicism, right? A cynic is someone who knows the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Yeah. At one point in Avatar two. All this expense is laid out to to kill something sort of ancient and beautiful to draw, you know, uh, t- twelve ounces of this, you know, yellow syrup out of it. Right, and that and that's justified because the value of it back home is, is off the mm-hmm. fucking charts. Yeah, and it's just it's this. He lays it bare. He's not subtle. James Cameron is like we are killing ourselves. Yeah. you know, for for what, but. I don't know. It moves me. I can't explain it. It's the it's it's a movie that gets me going. It got, I was fully on board. It's three hours long, and it felt like it went by in a minute. Yeah. You know? So I would say the Avatar re-release is sort of tied with the new Avatar film for your number four. Like they're kind of yeah, because it, it uh, seems yeah, like you're for sure. they're they're almost one concept. Watching it again, yeah. I couldn't believe how much yeah. I was into it again. Mm-hmm. The, it's like the it's like the. That is easily the last movie I've seen three times in the theater. Yeah. You know, even though it was spread apart by 15 years. <laughs> so my number four is like the polar opposite. Yeah. It's a movie called uh, Something in the Dirt. Oh, yeah. What's that? Um, it is by uh, two guys, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. They have made a handful of movies and they've kind of gone from like absolute indie obscurity to being like kind of like cool niche popular. Their first film was called, um, oh no, I'm I'm blanking on it. Oh my oh, god, doesn't matter. Whatever they made a film starts with the word the, the letter R, and it's gonna bother me. Rashomon. No, is it the one with um... Resolution? Okay. So they made a movie called Resolution, um, super indie. It's like just a couple guys in a cabin. One of them is um, detoxing, and the other guy is kind of holding him there to okay. force him to detox. And then it starts to kind of dip into, um, like, 
like almost like elder god stuff but like without ever getting big like it, it stays just two guys in a cabin the whole time but starts to like bring in elements of kind of like lovecraftian um like otherworldly horror without ever going big and it's fucking fantastic when you say without ever going big do you mean without ever doing special effects stuff yeah okay that's cool I yeah like that. you would really like resolution did you ever watch true detective Yes. The first season I love to the first season into, of Yes. Yeah. It's it kind of like they're nothing alike, but a similar way of All right, yeah. kind of bringing Well, that this in. sounds like a movie I would enjoy. You would like Resolution. Um, then they made a couple movies that I wasn't really that hot on. And then they finally made something that I love as much as Resolution, something in the dirt. So they made it during COVID. And so they had been getting bigger budgets, doing more effects, making bigger movies. And... I had just kind of, you know, fallen off with them. And so they make this new film that premiered at Sundance earlier this year and is now on VOD, so you can go see it. And it's two guys who they play. So they both wrote, directed, and star in the film, made it during COVID. And one of them moves into an apartment building that the other one is already living in, into an empty unit. That is weird. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of it. There's something <laughs> weird with this unit and it's not weird in like um like it looks weird or anything way it's weird in a magnetic fields feel off kind of way <laughs> and as they are like they basically meet randomly smoke cigarettes start getting drinks wander up to the apartment together and something strange happens something weird with an ashtray or something weird yeah and they become obsessed with it so the point at which they start documenting it, they're trying to recreate it, they're trying to figure out exactly what caused it to happen and how they can make it happen again, and they're filming everything. And then the movie breaks in a way that I was just so delighted by. Um, and I'm not going to say it, and it happens in the first 20 minutes, um, but I'm not going to say it because just experiencing it for me was such a thrill. But it's super low budget, super renegade, Um super creative it's funny it's weird both of them are playing off type so justin um i've met them I've, i interviewed them for their first movie um we went out and got drinks together like they are a blast they're so sweet and justin is like this quiet comic booky guy and in the movie he's playing an absolute asshole and um and aaron is like this very like you know, outgoing, like big personality, charms everyone he meets. And he's sort of playing a like quiet, like religious kind of like angry person. <laughs> and so they're just like totally off type and they're just having so much fun and it translates. Like I, I honestly, I love this movie. If you like kind of um, weird experimental indie stuff that is science fiction, that is incredibly small, that is like funny and weird and fascinating. I can't recommend it enough. So something in the dirt. Something in the dirt. Yep. So that was like four for you? That was number four, yeah. We're we're, it's, we're a little, it's fine. We we're, we don't record as often anymore, so we can go on. Yeah, I feel like we've, we've missed opportunities to just talk about movies that we've seen that we would have recommended. I know. The next one that I'll put on my list for sure is yeah. Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. Yeah, so that's number three for you? Uh, yeah, it's the third of my official five. I have that on my I wish I had seen it this year because it might be one of my favorites. Me and, me and my wife, we put that yeah. on and uh, and I said, well, I'll get drunk. You just watch. If you don't like it, we'll turn it off literally any minute. Yeah. If, if, you're, if you get bored, it's three hours long. I, I wanted to see it in theaters. I'm sorry that I didn't. 
but if you get bored, we'll turn it off. Mm-hmm. And it was riveting. And Austin Butler was incredibly charismatic. I have loved him since he was on the Carrie Diaries like over a decade ago on he, the CW. He embodies this. I'm so glad he's breaking out finally. He, it's just a sweet movie. Yeah. It's he a, was in Kevin Smith's Yoga Hosers. I have not seen that. I am a Yoga Hosers apologist and I don't even like Kevin Smith. That's Johnny Depp, yeah? Uh, that? He is sadly in that, but his <laughs> daughter is one of the main characters. Johnny Depp's daughter? Yeah. L- Lily Depp or something? Yes. Harley Quinn. Who is Kevin Smith's daughter, right? Harley Quinn Smith. It's Kevin Smith's daughter, yeah. And then Lily Depp, who is Johnny Depp's daughter, and they're the two leads. It's hard to explain it. I don't need to get into it. I don't want to get yeah. into too much detail here. I mean, except, it's a biopic of Elvis. It, well, it's an interesting biopic. Yeah. because It's because it's a Lerman biopic. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say the first hour is more frenetic than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. It, it requires... Uh, yeah. Honestly, you probably want to have a Dramamine for the first hour. Oh, my God. There's there's way too too much. Yeah. Bos, I would have loved to see it in a theater. Watching Baz Luhrmann movies often feels like this to me. Yeah. He starts by thinking, I'm going to make this movie almost impossible to perceive. Yeah. I'm going to cut constantly, almost for no reason. He, like, he's like, a maximalist. Like Scorsese yeah. did for a little while. And then he eases into a sort of normal pace. Yeah. It's funny. The last hour and a half is very different just – Framing wise, from the first hour, um, but the movie's so so good. Yeah, and I mean, we both are kind of on the same page about Lerman. Yeah. We just really like him. I will see. Like I, his movies are insane. His Great Gatsby is on yeah. my list of like great movies. I love that movie. It's I mean, it's not like a perfect adaptation mm-hmm. of Great Gatsby, but it is an awesome movie. Yeah, and we both really like Moulin Rouge. I love Moulin Rouge. I think it's just delightful. I love it. Yeah, it's, I saw it's Moulin Rouge twice movie. in theaters. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the Broadway in college. Surrounded by football players. Mm-hmm. I said, I have never seen a movie like that. And this other football player, I was like, I also have never seen it. That movie is like, he's like, that movie should be best picture. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. I'm like, yeah, it works. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Right? So Elvis, Baz Luhrmann. I'm, I'm really hoping like a lot of the. I have less to say about it than I do Avatar. but I um, mean, A if, lot of the theaters, like the, you know, the Museum of the Moving Image, um, uh, Museum of Modern Art, they're doing kind of like series that are the best films of the year. And I'm really hoping Elvis is playing at one of them. I'd go and see it because the I would really like to see it in a theater. Hey, Austin Butler, to my understanding, yeah. and I, my understanding might be wrong, but I, I believe he speaks obviously as himself, and yeah. I think he does all the singing as a young Elvis. I believe that, yeah. And then to affect the decline in Elvis's physical stature and vocal capacity, mm-hmm. that Boz Lerman started to fuse, synthesize a combination of actual Elvis songs with Austin Butler until the very end when they just play uh, 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 Elvis yeah, playing at a piano. And it bro- I mean, it's making me oh, feel man. I want to see it. Right I now. really want to see it. It's just a sad story about a yeah. guy who was led astray by a Svengali. Yeah. But the odd thing about that movie is it's told from the perspective of the Svengali. Yeah. And it's, it is a strange take. And, and there's a part of it that's like, I get it. It's cool. But... Boy, you know, you could have, you could have done a lot. You could have done anything. And then there's an alternative take where it's like, uh, do we need a movie about a white guy that succeeded on the backs of the black <laughs> singers that he was simply <laughs> lifting songs from? Yeah. And you know, they're, they, you know, Baz Luhrmann includes some of them in the movie, and he suggests that they were enthusiastic supporters of Elvis, drawing attention to the music. Mm-hmm. And for all I know, that's true. But uh, now, but now it's far away. Yeah. But my dad always told me Elvis basically. Yeah, he sang black songs and black rock and roll, and he made a fortune, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't. My dad took that in a funny way, but he also said the same thing about Buddy Holly, and he liked Buddy Holly. So who knows? Mm. Yeah. Well, I would love to see Elvis. You should. I want to do just a a shout out. It didn't make my top ten, 
but recommendation for the year another uh, music biopic from 2022 uh the weird al story i've not seen it oh my god Is it's that, it's on roku it's or something so stupid it's just so stupid yeah. and it got me like it, it, it made, i felt i felt silly by how entertained I was by it. This is not on your list. This is a no. An this is just mention. I'm giving an honorable mention to just, it. Mentioning biopics. Okay. Okay. So my number three is a movie called Duel. It's D U A L. Duel with Karen Gillan. With Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul. I have not seen it, but this is one. On, it's on my list too. So this is that's a, that's like a. It's on your I list want to too see much, this one. Yeah. I wish so, I'd seen it. Yeah. Uh, Riley Stearns. Um, Riley Stearns is a really interesting director. He made a movie called Faults that I love. Did you do The Art of Self-Defense? He did The Art of Self-Defense, which I fucking love that movie. I haven't seen that either, and I want to. That's yeah. Jesse Eisenberg, right? Uh, Riley Stearns kind of writes like a American um, Yorgos Lanthimos. Okay. In that he gives his characters this very, I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but like affected dialogue where they're speaking like like everything is incredibly literal and unemotional and and it is like he's really developed this voice in in duel art of self defense has it pretty strong but duel is like like full blown everybody talks in this very specific almost like staccato straightforward way which is similar to um to have you do you know like dogtooth the favorite the favorite, um, I know. Yeah. He, yeah, but he didn't really write the favorite, so like that doesn't have it as strongly. Yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Sacrifice of deer, Sacrifice sacrificial like deer, the deer. Oh my god, it's with Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah, that movie. Um, that one yeah. is like the one I recommend if you want to get to know Yorgos Lanthimos, other than Dogtooth, of course. But um, Duel is, I think, Riley Stern's best movie. It is about Karen Gillan and. She's just kind of like a miserable person. <laughs> and she gets diagnosed with a terminal illness and then gets an advertisement from a place that makes clones. And the whole concept that they are selling is if you are going to die, you can make a clone of yourself to take your place when you die so your loved ones don't get sad. Like yeah. that's the whole like thing. That's the, that's the pitch. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, I guess I'll do that. Yeah, it's the humane thing to do. And then the movie is about her and her clone. Yeah. Because now they're living together. Oh, yeah. My recollection of the trailer for that is that uh, yeah. the diagnosis was inaccurate or she's going to survive. That is, yes. Okay. So that's, if that's given away in the trailer, I'll talk about it. She ba it basically turns out that because they were the, totally wrong. Because the, there's nothing the wrong with her. The title is dual. Yeah. And the solution to the problem of creating a they clone. They have to fight. Is that there can yeah. only be one of these. So ends. they're basically, <laughs> yeah, actually The Lobster is another movie the to compare compare yeah. to this, which The Lobster the is Lobster. a delightful film. Yeah. Yorgos and him get along. How good is Colin Farrell? He's so great. What a great actor. That guy. I love him. Mysteri it's hard to call a handsome boy a diamond in the rough. Yeah. But he actually is much better than advertised. I mean, he's handsome and, and kind of kind of rough. Like... Oh yeah, he went like through, in like an Irish, like could beat you up kind of guy. Oh yeah, no, he also yeah. beat himself up. He yeah. he went through a dark period. Oh yeah, period. I remember that. Oh. Um, but then yeah, he kind of fell out of grace for a while, and now he's back, and I'm so glad that True he Detective recovered. season two, yeah. Colin Farrell steals the show. But um, so right, it's like basically the law is in this situation because it happens more than you would think. If you and your clone are, are both going to live, you have to fight to see who gets to be the person. Mm -hmm. And so the movie is about her training with Aaron Paul to get really strong and good at martial arts so she can beat her Kill clone. Kill her clone. And it is, 
just like <laughs> it's it's so weird and um and I loved it. I I haven't seen it since the beginning of the year. Like I wish I'd rewatched it so I could talk a little more deeply about like what I thought it was about because I do think it's like one of those movies that's like on the face like really fun and weird but then there's also a lot you could talk about about kind of like um self-care in that movie and self-betterment but you know just go see it it's it's really good hey here's a quick yeah. quick pause in the lists can you think of any Christopher Nolan movie that came out this year Tenet no. did not right that was last year yeah he didn't make a movie this year he's that, working on Oppenheimer there was yeah I know yeah. believe me that Trailer played in the Dolby sound no, trust me. system. He's working on Oppenheimer this whole year. Oppenheimer will yeah. have my attention when it arrives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The movie, the movie we saw Oppenheimer in front of is on my top five, but I didn't put it on this list. Yeah, yeah. The line from yeah. that trailer that haunts me is they won't understand it. They won't fear it until they understand it, and they won't understand it until they see it. I'm not a big Nolan fan, you know that, <laughs> but I will go see Oppenheimer with you. I'll see Oppenheimer. Because it's, I just, I'm so curious I, as to what I, the fuck that movie is. I saw some headline that ind- indicated that he needed to, Nolan needed a nuclear explosion, but he would he would not allow for special effects. Oh boy, yeah, that's the reason I'll go see it with you because what the fuck? I think I think he caused a nuclear explosion to go off to make this movie. Which <laughs> sign me up for that. All right, what's your number two? Uh, all right, so here's our recency bias again. In fact, Elvis is sort of influenced by that. If it's not what I what I think it is, then I'm gonna be shocked. Go. Well, well what, what is th- it? What do you think it is? Top Gun. Oh, Maverick? Yeah. Did you not put Top Gun in your five? No, I didn't. Whoa. I honestly thought you would. No, I thought that movie was fine. Oh. Huh. I'm not really that into it. Oh. For some reason, I thought you were. No, not really. Huh. It's interesting. It's cool. Yeah. I like the Jets. I mean, the first Top Gun's fine. It's is not that is Nope on your five? Nope is on my five. Oh, fact, so nope it, this be, is Nope. Yeah, Nope should be two, probably. Yeah. yeah. Again, they're not in any really... There's, there's no order to it. I yeah. loved Nope. Well, nope was great. So what's your number two? Is, is this it, not number is it two? Nope. This is yeah, number sure. Two. I mean, yeah. this is the num- this is the one I'm going to talk about now. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, nope. We saw the Oppenheimer trailer before. Nope. Did we? Yes. Yes. I don't recall. The Oppenheimer that. trailer played before. Not the, nope. Not the one I've seen recently because there no. was an Oppenheimer trailer in this front of was Avatar like the two. Teaser. Was this was like, like the little teaser moment because it's just like a fireball. Right? Because we yeah. yeah we saw all the trailers and then it was like the the movie theater intro and then it cuts the they switched over um, the projectors. And then the Oppenheimer teaser played, and Greg and I got so confused yeah. because we thought it was the beginning of Nope. I loved Nope. Yeah. And, I, and I'm and i almost certain to love Oppenheimer. On an I'd honest almost, top five yeah. where I wasn't trying to like talk about movies I, I want more people to, to see. direct attention to? Nope would be in my top three. I think Nope is yeah. an excellent movie. Nope is phenomenal. I loved seeing it on the big screen, in, yeah. the, in the Dolby screen. I wish yeah. I could have seen it. I wish that I could have seen it on an IMAX, a genuine IMAX screen. Yeah. Because it was thrilling. Um, nope is playing at the Museum of the Moving Image, and I, I think I'm going to drink Matt to go see it again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. believe it is better than Get Out, but I believe it is. I yeah. believe it is better than Us. I don't think it's better than Us. Us is good. I love Us. Jordan, but Peele. Us is my favorite Jordan Peele film. Are you like that? I'm, more a, than Get I'm Out. a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Get Out's a better movie. I like Us more. Okay. Um, and then I think Nope. I don't know. I, I think he's a fucking three out of three. The guy's a three out of genius. Three. He's batting a thousand. Was yeah. what I was going to say? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't miss. Yeah, and although again, I have watched his uh, Twilight Zone, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, that doesn't count. I don't know what. Yeah, creative actual. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much creative control he has over it. Uh-huh. I watched the first. Ep- Actually, you know what? I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be a curmudgeon. I watched the first episode, which I believe stars 
Kumail Najani yeah. as a stand-up comedian. Well, I, I do like. I like Kumail. He's great. He he's a stand-up comedian. The first ep- the first episode of it is pretty good. Mm-hmm. The things that he says. Yeah. He makes some deal with the devil. And the devil in this scenario is played by Tracy Morgan. Really? Tracy, yeah, Tracy Morgan. That sounds really funny. And well, not exactly. He's just another comedian. He's like this older comedian yeah. at the bar. And, yeah. and Najani's this guy who goes up and he does this sort of like, you know, uh, quiet, observational comedy, intell- uh-huh. you know, highly intellectual shit. And the crowd doesn't really go for it. Yeah. And uh, Tracy Morgan is sitting at the bar because they're not going to go for that stuff, you know? You got to give them something real. Give them real venom, real anger. That's yeah. what people. But that's what people come to hear. They want you. They want you to tear them apart. And he kind of like, I guess it's like a deal with the devil moment. Uh huh. And from that point forward, every time he goes out, they won't. The crowds just won't stop laughing. <laughs> that actually sounds really funny. And, and yet, the first episode of this, which I've heard was not that great. I was yeah. like, actually, this one is pretty mm-hmm. good. It's about a comedian who's like. Hostile, yeah. He becomes hostile to the laughs that he's it's getting. Like monkey paw stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's a monkey. Bone. There's a much darker Great movie. There's monkey like bone. a there's like a twist to it that's weird. Hard recommend Chris Kattan performance. He just brilliant. Start, he just start, <laughs> he starts to dis, he discovers that he he can eliminate he can change reality. Yeah. By like sort of declaring it in a way like mm-hmm. on on stage. People that he goes after start to disappear, I guess is the premise. The people yeah. that he starts to like, I'll say, uh, roast, yeah, just disappear. And was Jordan Peele just the producer? Or? Well, he's like the host. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what extent Hard to he had know. any creative yeah. control. I don't know. I mean, but, I bet I could Google it. But, but right. I won't. Yeah. But Nope is Nope great. is phenomenal. Uh, it's, it feels a little silly to go back to great it. Great performances, incredible effects. I love what it has to say about Hollywood. And I love just what it has to say about working in general and animals and understanding nature. Yeah. And about. I, I think it's so smart and so of, interesting and so cool to watch. Yeah. And the, and the way that people has, cons- consume yeah. culture. Yeah. A spectacle the moments of legitimate horror in that movie that is not even a horror movie in my opinion yeah yeah that movie's really smart and mm-hmm. really beautiful and it's uh it's going to last yeah i think it's going to have real long legs yeah All right, so that's whatever number okay. two my number two yeah. is a spanish film called piggy it is about a young girl um in like small town in spain and she's young, she's very overweight, um, and she works with her family. Like She goes to school and then helps out in the family butcher shop, and there's some skinny popular girls who bully her, basically. And the one morning she goes swimming. Um, she gets up early. She realizes no one's in the swimming uh, like lake. Cove, yeah, like there's just a little river that people swim in, it's a beach, no one's there, so she feels comfortable swimming. So she goes swimming, and the popular girls show up and steal her towel and her clothes. So she has to run home, like just in a little bikini, and, and she's very embarrassed. And as she's running, she sees this van, and then she sees behind the van are the popular girls being abducted by a <laughs> serial killer and she doesn't do anything and that's kind of the jumping off point for the movie it's basically what happens after that Mm -hmm. when she basically could have stopped these young girls from being abducted but she just doesn't do anything 
Because they bullied her. No, she's not even being vindictive. She just isn't just just does not take action. Like, is it partially because she doesn't want to help them? Maybe. Is it partially because she's too scared to do anything? Probably. But she just doesn't do anything. And they get abducted. Um, and this movie is amazing. It was directed by a woman. Um, her name is Carlota Martinez Parada. Um, it was shot in 4-3. It's very beautiful, very like um, bright colors, like a lot of sun and like pastel. And it also like the actress who plays the lead character, um, who they call her Piggy. Her name is Sarah. Um, she, she gives a very raw and like realistic performance of um, a young woman who is heavy and uncomfortable in her body and like like you know her sexuality and her like realness and like all that it's just such a, a powerful and creepy and interesting movie okay. and i i loved it it's yeah. available you can stream that somewhere? yeah i rented it on vod so okay. yeah um I think I already tipped my my hand with respect to my number one. Are you yeah, done? yeah. I, <laughs> Which I, also would probably be my number one if I was doing a more honest list. More, yeah, yeah more. Uh, we'll call it a yeah. basic, <laughs> authentic list. Actually, no, it would probably be my number two. I think my number one is still my number one in Listen, real life. But go ahead. The movie Everything yeah. Everywhere All at Once. Mm, fucking masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. I cannot think of a movie that has made me laugh and cry at the same time like this movie has. Same. It's one of the great movies. Yeah. And it's I can't believe it exists at all. Yeah. And there's a lot of wacky shit mm-hmm. that's like, meh. Like there's stuff in it that could be potentially st- trimmed, yeah. frankly. Yeah. But um, the excess actually is what makes it ultimately. Yeah. There's a moment where two rocks are on screen. And I started to cry. It's a, it's beautiful. It's so good. It's so funny and sweet and like it's just like about real humans and their connections with each other. Yeah, there's this I mean, yeah. a line toward the end. It, you know, so you've broken my heart again. Mm-hmm. But another in another universe, I would have been very happy just doing taxes and laundry with you. <laughs> it's a tremendous oh. movie. It's a tremendous movie. Breaks yeah. my heart. We did a whole episode on it, so you could just go yeah. back and listen to that. No need to rehash. I love yeah. it. And everyone ought to. Frankly, yeah. if you don't love. If you don't enjoy it, then you should find out what's going on with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even my my mom and my stepdad watched it. I've been I was telling my mom I really wanted to see it with her, but we like never were able to make time. And then she watched it with my stepdad, and I was nervous that sort of the dirty jokes in it would really turn him off. He fucking loved it. It's funny. Every like it's so genuinely good. funny. Yeah, and. Uh, the end is just beautiful, and mm-hmm. it, it also, and this is not insignificant to me, takes a huge fucking shot at Ratatouille. Yeah, yeah. I hate Ratatouille. You know someone came to the Halloween party. As Rakakuni? As Rakakuni. That's that's perfect. I wanted to give them the, the I would have given them $100 out of my wallet if I noticed. I mean, that was the prize. It was a $100 gift certificate to the bar, and I was like, I want to give it to them, but everyone else voted for Shania Twain Saw Massacre. Um, oh, that's a pretty cool thing to say. It was a good costume. He was like half um, Leatherface, half Shania Twain. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he deserved it. But, you know. Um, so my number one, I'm pretty sure I've brought this movie up because I've been talking about it nonstop. Since Jurassic I Park? saw it. Jurassic Park with Sam Neill. Michael Creighton's book, Jurassic Park. <laughs> this the movie of the year. <laughs> no, Resurrection. Oh yeah, no, you, yes, you've well, the, the Rebecca Hall. Film. I can say for certain that you've told me yes. that, that this is the movie that most affected you this year. I know. I saw it at Sundance virtually, and then it had a limited theatrical release, so I got to see it over the summer in a theater. 
And it, it, both times it fucking knocked me on the floor. Um, like what a fucked up movie. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to personally ask you yeah. not to say too much about it, except that you've told me this over and over again and mm-hmm. I've not yet seen it. Yeah. Uh, Resurrection. Director, director Andrew Siemens, I believe it is on Shudder now. It was an IFC Shudder release. It stars Rebecca Hall as a single mother, um, British woman living in Boston with her daughter. And she is just like trying her best to be a perfect person. Um, and then some trauma from earlier in her life returns in the form of um, Tim Roth. So Tim Roth is, you know, the other main character of this movie. Mm-hmm. It is about gaslighting. It is about um, the thing that I, I wrote this in my letterbox review and then IFC uh, copied my letterbox review and tweeted it. And then, like, credited it to me, which was pretty sweet. That's cool. But I wrote it was the best movie I've ever seen about the fallacy of what doesn't kill you, make you makes you stronger. <laughs> which I probably shouldn't stumble over the words as I say my incredible, no, my incredible quote that oh. I have seen loved so much. It's good. Say it again. Yeah. The fallacy of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Good, yeah. Yeah. Movie of the year. I can't recommend it enough. I will say it is very, very disturbing. So make sure you are set and grounded when you watch it. Yeah. Um, it deals with uh, baby stuff. Heads up. So if baby stuff is sensitive to you, don't watch it. I, have no, I don't care at all about that. That was more for our listeners. It, I want to let the listeners know. Uh, we don't have any baby listeners. There's there's some children who listen to the show. Babies listen to this? Yeah, like infants. Oh, I'd be dangling my keys a lot more. I know. Do you, <laughs> I wish I'm going to put like keys dangling sound effects in right now. I had no idea. Hey, baby. But yeah, that was my top five. Hey, can I give you like five honorable mentions? Not even honor. I don't want to say honorable mentions. Yeah, I mean, they, I already did like five these are movies that mentions, I just so. that I sort of just saw that I'm I would okay. love to recommend to people. I yeah. just watched the uh, Glass Onion and Knives Out mystery. Yeah, loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. It might have been my it might be my second favorite movie of the year. I don't know, but I just, I literally saw it yesterday or two yeah. days ago. So. I don't know. Right now, I'm like riding high on it. I could. I love the Benoit Blanc character. I think that Ryan Johnson's a. He's an extremely talented maker of movies. Mm-hmm. So see it. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. For, well, not for free. But yeah. If you have Netflix, you can watch it immediately. Watch it. Um, here's one that really surprised me. Um, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell really are in a movie called Spirited. I keep seeing ads it's on for Apple it TV on Plus. my Roku. I I. I Kind of dodged it for a while. And then the night before Christmas, my wife wanted to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And I had mentioned it a few times. She said, you want to watch that spirited movie, don't you? And I said, well, I think tonight I still want to. And I think to, after tomorrow I won't. Yeah. So, yeah, to watch it now would be the, the – this is the last chance that I'll, I'll have to really, like, enjoy it, I think. Uh-huh. And it was far and away better than I anticipated. Yeah. It's their take on a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. They are both funny, but it is not like slapsticky funny. Mm-hmm. It has surprising pathos. It is a movie that surprised me, and I've been thinking about it much more than I expected that I would be <laughs> uh, f- five days after I watched it. Yeah, for some like goofy ass Christmas movie. It results. Its resolution is good. <laughs> I yeah. think. I think that it is the most charming Ryan Reynolds has ever been. Yeah. To to me. Uh huh. I think Will Ferrell's sweet and he's aging gracefully, and I enjoy that about him. Mm-hmm. He's there's a lot of his Buddy the Elf in it, so if you don't like Elf, you might not like this. Yeah, I'll be fair, but 
If you like Elf, you'll probably like this. <laughs> and then the last one, it's not five. I'm just going to say one, one, one last movie that I, I wish it was on my top five. I mm-hmm. wish it was the movie of the year. I wished I wished that this would be the movie of the year for me. Mm-hmm. And it was The Banshees of Inishirin. Yeah. I watched it. I was so ready yeah. to love it. Every Everything was set. Uh-huh. All the table was set for perfect, per, like a perfect movie going experience. And I'm ultimately unclear about my own response to it still Interesting. a week or two yeah. after I watched I, it. I really want to see that. Um, I love Colin Farrell and I love Brenda Gleeson. Yeah. I love them in In Bruges together and I love them in this together. Mm-hmm. I just found the movie a little hollow at its core. Now, that being said, there are lines from this movie that I have repeated to my wife in grave intonation because they are those perfect Martin McDonough summations of a moment. And I think this guy, I, th- I saw a Martin McDonough play when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't recall the title of it right now, but it's about two brothers who sort of torment each other. Yeah. Um, and he did In Bruges, too, In Bruges. Right? Which I, I love. Beautiful movie. In Bruges. A he, Christmas movie. He also did Seven Psychopaths. Which I also, also really like Farrell. that movie. Yeah. I think that's his best. Yeah. Seven I, Psychopaths has such a good, oh my God, what's his name? The Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell performance. Walken. Rockwell's yeah. great. Uh, Christopher Walken steals that movie from me. Yeah, he does. But Sam Rockwell's Sam Rockwell is like such a great who hasn't been in a lot of he great movies. He won the best actor, yeah. you know, best supporting actor for Three Bridges or Three Billboards yeah. Outside Missouri, whatever. Yeah, which, which is the also time, the first time I saw it, I, I really liked, and then I thought about it for like well, that's also fifteen I minutes. I haven't seen it, but that's also of, a Martin McDonough movie. Is it really? Yeah. Huh. So he's he knows what he's doing. I yeah. think Martin McDonough. I think he liked it more than people who hated it. But the more I thought about it, the more it fell apart for me. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Three billboards outside Ebbing. You would get a kick yeah. out of it. I, I'm sure I'll love it. Yeah. Or at least I want to. Mm-hmm. I love Martin McDonough. He's yeah. on that short list of guys. He's not quite on the same level. And and forgive me if this makes me sound crass, but I love Tarantino, Nolan, uh, Cameron. I like guys that are. Not guys, but directors. I like these these guys that have been yeah. in my life. They are all guys, more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm sorry, but I, I wish that there was a female director that was on that same pantheon for me. But they, there just isn't, and that's sort of a criticism of Hollywood. Not no, that, hopefully that's not of me. kind of what I was going to say. Yeah, it's not. It's not is, that I wouldn't like yeah. a female director. You know, it's that female directors aren't really don't being hired or given budgets. Uh, or, another yeah. another honorable mention for me actually yeah. is. Don't worry, darling. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, see that? Yeah, I watch it. I I don't know what I'll make of it. That got a strange. Yeah, that got such a poor treatment from the mm-hmm. press, and I think it's because the director was a woman. Yeah. Um. Oh, I. Yeah, I mean, I do. Th- Olivia Wilde, right? I do think it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She got annihilated in the press. Yeah, it was really weird. For no Honestly, fucking it was reason. Really weird. And so I kind of was like, yeah. oh, that's a shame. I was going to go see that in theaters. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I just lost my enthusiasm. The press killed my killed my interest in the movie. Yeah. And then it, it arrived on, I think, uh, HBO Max. Yeah. And I watched it. And me and, me and my I'll wife. I'll watch it. Me and my wife were both like, oh. Yeah. I should have included that. This was much that. better than the press allowed me to believe it would be. I made a list of movies I didn't see. Yeah, I should have included that on the list. Um, my movie, my movies I did not see that I wish I had seen, so I could um, consider them for my top five. Is Bones and All, which mm-hmm. looked like so much my shit. Like, and, and I'm not, I didn't even like that hit that guy's Suspiria. I thought that Suspiria was bad. It was entertaining, but it was like empty. Um, but Bones and All looked so fucking up my alley, and I didn't get a chance to see it. Decision to Leave, the new uh, Park Chan Wook film. Have not seen it yet. I cannot imagine that I won't love every moment of it. I didn't see Smile after talking about Smile so much. 
Um, I didn't see Pearl. I did see X. Um, X isn't really like in my top ten. X, and Pearl. X is is good, but I think others liked it a lot more than I did. Um, I didn't see Bell, which was an anime film um, that wound up in a lot of others' top tens that I really wanted to see. And then the other movie I did not see that I wish I had seen is Marcel the Shell, which I feel like Sabrina should watch that. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Yeah. Is one of my favorite things from 10 did years ago. Did you know they that. made a feature film out of it? I, yeah, I guess I didn't know that it was released. Oh my God. Yeah, it came out this year. We actually screened it for the film festival last year and A24 wouldn't let us have it. I know. But I didn't get to Isabella see it. My Rossellini other programmers saw it. Marcel the Cell yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can watch that. We'll yeah, just we should just watch it. it. Yeah, we'll just put yeah. That I mean, all of us will be delighted. That is a movie that will hit with everyone. I love Jenny Slate. Yeah. And I love Dean Fletcher Camp, the director, whose movie... um, uh, He is the director of this movie? Yes. Oh, you know what's funny? We showed one of his films. They were married when they came up with the characters. They were not married when they made the... um, Actually, I don't know if they were No, they're long divorced. Yeah, they were no longer married when they made the movie together. Yeah. So I guess they're still friends, which is cool. That's nice. Yeah. Well, they both own it. We showed one of his movies at... at the film festival, I can't remember what it is. Maybe I'll cut it in if I want to. But we're we're like the film festival is buddies with him. A twenty four just wouldn't let us have his movie, and then I never watched it. Like a piece of shit. You fucking idiot. I know. Fuck you. Oh my god. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I have. At this point, I think I have one honorable mention. Did Dune come out this year? I would have two honorable mentions. No, Dune was. Definitely the year that I started working at my current job, which yeah, was this last was year. basically the best yeah. year of my life. And yeah. to that end, a lot of if if only Dune had come out this year. <laughs> well, no, time just moved so fast, but also I I, it's a little bit. It's been stretched thin, like good cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Batman came out this year. It did, and I loved it. Yeah, I'm surprised That's, that wasn't on your list. Well, the other movie. Well, yeah, top five is tough. Yeah, it's, it's really, only five. When I was a teenager, when I was in high school, I used yeah. to ask people name three of your top ten favorite movies, mm-hmm. rather than what are your five favorites, because yeah. it's easy to name three of ten because yeah. you don't have to worry about like limiting yourself. Although, let's be realistic. When I say top five of the year, what I'm really saying is, what five movies do you want to talk about? Well, I don't want to talk about the Batman exactly because so, it's. Yeah. Well, have you seen it though? No, it's. Kind and I bet of, I would like it. It's, it I think the Batman mm-hmm. by Matt, director Matt Reeves, Matt Reeves, who I do like, was so beautiful. Yeah, and so I think that is a movie that would play almost exactly the same way as a silent film. Interesting. I think that movie is borderline a masterpiece. I really do, but you know, I haven't been compelled to watch it. It's on yeah. HBO Max. I don't. I don't want to put it on all the time. Yeah. That said, I went and saw it with my wife, and we went and had a drink afterwards, and we both said, you know, I think I could go back and watch it again, literally right now. <laughs> Having just watched it, I could go back and rewatch the whole movie. Yeah. And- the only movie that I had that reaction to this year was Terrifier Two, <laughs> which I re- I saw about two days apart. I watched it twice. Um, my honorable mentions that I didn't already mention because I already name dropped like seven other movies are going to be Orphan First Kill. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast that I thought Orphan First Kill was so delightful. Uh, while uh, Jean Collet Sarah made the first Orphan, who later went on to make two of my favorite Liam Neeson movies, The Commuter and Nonstop, and then also make the uh, disappointing Black Adam. 
Um, we both saw Black Adam. Which we both saw. And Black Adam is like Morbius. It's, it's a movie yeah. from a time before people took these movies seriously. Yeah, what a bummer. Um, but then... Let's pause briefly. Oh. Is, is The Rock any good? Yeah, sure. Not really, right? Not anymore. What's the best movie The Rock's made? Uh, The Rundown? The Rundown. Yeah, with Sean William Scott. That's practically his first movie. I know. It's the best one, too. I know. And, and Walken's also people great People like that. that Pain and Gain movie. Yeah, the wrong people do. It's yeah. a Michael Bay movie. I don't have like seen, that movie. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah of course I've seen that's that movie. That's an ugly fucking movie. I, I don't know why people like it. It it's really a, weirded me that's out. That's an ugly Mark yeah. Wahlberg movie. It really freaked me out when like people were saying that, like, I mean, but again, also probably should have been included on in my movies. I didn't see Ambulance. Michael Bay's Ambulance this year. Uh, have you wanted to see a Michael Bay movie in 20 years? Yeah, Ambulance. That's the only one. Ambulance. Well, you like Jake Gyllenhaal very I do. Much. I like yeah. him very much. I like his face. He's very good. He's a very, good he's a very good movie star. Yeah. And Ambulance looked batshit, so. You've seen a bunch of the Marvel movies this year, right? Uh, I don't know. A bunch. You've probably seen a bunch. You saw Shang-Chi? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. I saw that one. You saw, oh, I did. I, I saw the Doctor Strange. I, saw, I know you saw Doctor Strange. That might be it, though. That might be the whole list. This year. Black Widow? No, you probably no, didn't, see, didn't that. see that. Marvel's become really like yeah. The un- Spider Man was last year. Yeah, which I, I, I mean, really liked that Spider Man. Prior to a- Avatar two, they yeah. played uh, trailers for Guardians of the Galaxy three and mm-hmm. Ant Man three. Yeah, I have this suspicion, <laughs> and it's it's not just mine. It's shared by people on the internet that this is the phase where all of the characters they developed in the first. Like twelve years are going to mm-hmm. start to get killed. Cool. It is cool. Yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy trailer and the Ant Man trailer strongly allow for the implication that they have run their 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 time is up. You know, <laughs> the Guardians. That's funny. The, I'm shocked. James. Well, James Gunn. He's gone. Directed the last Guardians, and now he's like co CEO of and he's brought, the DC. He's broadcast program. over and over again. He's like, this movie's yeah. going to break your heart. Come ready to cry. Whatever. Yeah, well, he's good at making movies. I want to go see it just so when everyone dies, I can laugh really loud. <laughs> you fucking ghoul. That's me. Peace- I'm the ghoul. Did you watch Peacemaker this year? It's on HBO. No, didn't it's watch Peacemaker. Series? It's no. pretty good. Did you watch? I probably the, would dig it. Did you watch The Suicide I Squad? I did. I really liked I, it. I can't recall if that was this year yeah, or last year. Yeah, that was last year. year. That was last year. I really liked it. Matt yeah. and I saw that, and I that I was good. delighted. But I love James Gunn. I was looking at my Letterbox stats earlier, so I watched 187 movies this year that I logged on Letterbox. So that means I probably watched way over 200 because I don't log festival screeners. Mm-hmm. So um, I was looking at my overall stats, and one of the things it tells you is the movies you have watched the most. Mm-hmm. I have watched James Gunn's The Belco Experiment seven times. That's a rough movie. I this, I think it might be one of my favorite films. I, he wrote it. Uh, it was directed by an uh, Australian horror director, a guy who did Wolf Creek. I can't remember his name, but I always credit James Gunn because it's so his voice. But then the gore is so someone who makes hardcore horror. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I love the Belko experiment. Yeah. I've seen it seven times. That's a tough one. I know. It's, I find it cathartic. It's a sad watch for me. Really? Why? Because everybody dies. It is true. Everybody does die in that movie. And that's why Arbitrary, I love it. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And I have such a crush on that guy who's the lead. The, the winner. Yeah. The winner. <laughs> Good. But I love death games. You know that about me. Yeah. Yeah. I do but, know okay, that about wait. you. Orphan first kill. Whoever came up with that twist deserves the Pulitzer Prize. That is my honorable mention for Orphan First Kill, directed okay. by the guy who made The Boy, which is a way better movie than it should have been. The Boy fucking rips. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know it. 
Um, yeah, I, it, it was about uh, a woman who gets hired to live in a mansion to babysit a, a boy. And when she shows up, the boy is a puppet. <laughs> and it goes from there. Oh, boy. That movie ha is, it has a, that, again, another movie that has a twist that's so fucking bonkers that just like, it's, it just, it, it lands. Good. The twist in Orphan is like fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> and like Orphan already had its own twist. So to retwist the twist is just so fucking good. It's so rewarding and stupid. Um, my other honorable mention is a movie called All My Friends Hate Me. Yeah, All My Friends Hate Me. It was an Irish film that was released this year about a guy whose friends all invite him to a giant mansion in the English countryside that they've rented uh, for his birthday. And when he shows up, no one's there. <laughs> <laughs> and then and it's freezing and he sits there for hours and then they finally all come home from the bar and act like they're surprised to see him and it is a movie about somebody who can't figure out if he's super paranoid or if everyone's out to get him and these are all his best friends <laughs> Well, and this this movie fucking spoke to me. That's a hard. That's a that sounds like a hard watch. It, it is a <laughs> it is a very uncomfortable movie. Yeah. Um, you didn't like Alex Garland's Men, right? I didn't. That's a shame. We I talked mean, about it a little bit before. But I'm so fascinated by it, and I also cool. weirdly I think the part that I hate is the part that other people say is the good part, and the part I love is the part that other people hate. Okay. Well, that's. I know. You're an iconoclast. I know. I mean, I was still, you know, I was trying to list my favorite shows of all time recently, and I put Devs on the list. Have you seen Devs? No, I've never seen Devs. Um, it was a Hulu. It's on Hulu. I don't think it was made for Hulu. I think it was made for FX or something. But it's it was an Alex Garland um, miniseries that uh, stars, oh, fuck, the guy from... It doesn't matter. Go on. The guy from Parks and Rec. It does matter. Devs? Who, who's the guy from Parks and Rec? There's a few. No, the, Aziz Ansari. That one. Libertarian. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you Listen, like my Nick Offerman? Well, I, I know you guys are just listening, but she did what I would describe as perfect uh, pantomime of Nick Offerman. It's a... Uh, it, it, it struck. I was so struck by its fidelity, <laughs> his persona and physical continence, that I exploded in laughter. I couldn't handle it. Perfect. Did you say incontinence? Countenance. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> Madeline, are you saying you shit yourself? I shit myself. Because I can't. I couldn't well, even. That impression was so good. I, I couldn't shit even, myself. I couldn't even pick up on that from where I'm sitting. That's Anyhow, how deep she goes. He's a. Um, like a startup founder, but it's like a like a major world changing like like uh, like startup. You know, it's like he's the founder of of Google or something, and uh, it's so good. I can't recommend Devs enough. I've been wanting to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm gonna say my favorite book of the year was The Ghost Eaters by Clay McLeod Chapman. Um, hard recommend on that. Great book. I don't think I read a book this year. Yeah. I find that I read at work essentially nonstop. When mm -hmm. I get home, I mostly just uh, play either a game on my PlayStation or put on a, a series or, or something. What was the best game you played this year? Ooh, that's an interesting question. 
And also probably an unsatisfying one. Mm-hmm. I guess the game that I find my, myself most interested in at year's end is this little mobile game called Marvel Snap. I really, yeah. really enjoy it. I mean, it. Matt plays it constantly. It's a card game yeah. that is uh, just very interesting and it's short little bursts, which I enjoy. I was so excited to play God of War <laughs> 2. Yeah. And I played it for approximately two hours and I was not even a little interested to pick it up again. Aww. I called the first... Well, not the first, but the but the PlayStation 4's God of War. I think that is the best video game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. I think it is a masterpiece. I think that the creator of that game, uh, I think that game is uh, very, very personal. And I think that it regards a subject matter that is very challenging. And I think a lot of people don't even realize it. And so I think it speaks to certain people very clearly. And it might be missed by some others. And yeah. I, th- I think that movie, I think that game, God of War, is the best game I've ever played. That is a game about a man, mm-hmm. a tired old guy with a kid late in life whose wife died. And now, at, at the very outset of the game, they have set upon themselves to scatter the mother and wife's ashes at the highest peak in whatever, where, wherever they are. You know, it's the, the Scandinavia, basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the whole premise, that's the, that's the goal of the whole game. You got to get up to the top of the peak to scatter the ashes to the wind. And it's just a very personal and r- relatable premise. Yeah. And then as the game progresses, it becomes more and more about the pressure put upon the, it's like the sins of the children, the sins of the father born by the children. That is a game about, very much about, Parental control of children, abuse that therefore is sort of derived. You know, like that is a game that is very much about what it is about. It is sort of subtle, except mm-hmm. that it wasn't to me. Huh. And the final fight of that, see that that game's final encounter, the big boss fight at the end, is a you Kratos and your son are savagely beating this other like Norse god whose mother has been your ally the whole time, who is screaming, begging you to stop Mm -hmm. hitting our kid. And it is a fucking, honestly, an intense, it's just, it's almost like a movie. It is an intense experience. And then the the next one picks up and they're like, we have to hide from Thor. (laughs) Who gives a shit about this? So wait, wait, would you or would you not recommend it to babies? Oh, well, babies would probably appreciate the second one. It's yeah. baby games, nonsense. It yeah. It's possible that in four hours the game mm-hmm. gets good, but in two and a half, I was sort of... It didn't. I, Bummer. It's just a big letdown. Yeah. To, to, you know, it's possible that they shouldn't have made a second one, mm-hmm. you know, because... the Because they nailed it the first time they nailed the, they, yeah. they did something that I haven't seen yeah. in the first game. They addressed themes that aren't generally addressed like... They addressed themes that are generally treated like black and white, good, bad issues in a way that was much more nuanced. That's cool. And I like it, that. And it resonates. I think yeah. about it and I get goosebumps when I think about it. That yeah. game was a was a genuine masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And this one's just a continuation of a story that doesn't matter. Who cares? <laughs> are you kidding me? Who gives a shit? Video game Norse gods? The Norse gods, and by the way, the Norse gods, in my opinion, have the best, they're the best. I love the Norse gods story. I love that they all die. Yeah. Like those Scandinavians figured out an interesting mythology that isn't that doesn't require ongoing reverence. You know, like it's a it's a it's a beautiful mm-hmm. 
cool story about dirtbag gods. <laughs> it's really interesting. The Greeks kind of figured it out too. Yeah. So I, I maybe I'll go back to it. I don't know. I'm off. Yeah. But Marvel ways. Snap is the recommendation. But Snap's the game that yeah. I recommend everybody play. Mm-hmm. It's fun. You can you figure it out in about 25 it, minutes, and it if you don't like it, don't play. Reminded me of Magic, honestly. It, yeah, and the guy who created it is a name. He's a he's a developer named Ben Brode, B R O D E. Yeah. And he's the guy who created uh, Hearthstone. Oh yeah, which I I love. Hearthstone. Which is also yeah. kind of a masterpiece game. Yeah, I, I played a lot of Hearthstone it, right at the beginning, and yeah. then it got too hard, quite honestly. Well, eventually this game will become too complicated for me, also. Yeah. Or not too complicated. But you know, the monetization. The player the, base. Well, the monetization is going yeah. to require that they create yeah. new things after mm-hmm. new thing. And a, a right now, I've spent probably thirty dollars on these like ten dollar season passes. Mm-hmm. But a season is about a month long. Yeah. And I'm going to eventually ask myself if it's worth one hundred and twenty dollars a year to play the game. And probably not. It may be. I don't oh, know. Who, okay. who cares? I mean, I spent right. I spent one hundred and twenty dollars a year on wine. Yeah. You know. Who, well, that's different. There's a drink. Yeah, yeah. I know. You can drink a you can drink a one hundred and twenty dollar bottle of wine in ten minutes. That's what I was saying. <laughs> My landlord like wanted to thank me for opening the door. Yeah. For all her people, like the plumber and stuff. So she gave me a bottle of wine and. I took a look at it and I'm like, this is a 2016 Stag's Leap. And then that's a nice, that's going to be a $60 bottle of wine. This is too much for opening the door. I'm going to slam that bottle. I can't wait. Glug, glug, glug. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if she did it on purpose too. I was like, part of me wanted to thank her for giving me such a nice bottle. And part of me didn't want to in case she didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything anything else you want to discuss before we wrap it up? Because we're, (sighs) we're, uh, we're getting close to the two hour mark. Do you want me to take one more crack? At our annual tradition. You know, yeah, okay. I do. I think I think that you should give it one more try because your case, first try kind of, I, one, I wasn't expecting it. You did not tell me you were going to do that. Just in case anybody wasn't listening in the first 10 seconds. Yes. This is our annual tradition. Mm-hmm. New year. Yeah. I'm going to read or, well. Yes. I'm going to attempt to read the poem. Stopping by the Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. And this is the one with the two roads, right? Two paths? No. Oh. Is that a genuine question? Or are you trying to throw me off my game? Trying to throw you off your game. <laughs> and, well, it's working. Two paths diverge at the snowy road. Do you want me to read that one? No. Because that's actually one of the most misunderstood poems. I know. In, in I, I think canon. we've talked about this, how like my absolute favorite thing is when... A writer is like writing a character who likes poetry and they say that's their favorite poem because that means that person doesn't know poetry at all. Okay, so so, yes. so the, the 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 two roads <laughs> the road not taken is the title of the poem. That's right? it. Yeah, the road not taken. And what I generally the two roads. what I generally see quoted yeah. are I took the path two roads taken. Di- two roads diverged in a wood and I I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Yeah, but it turns out that sucks. But taking only those three lines out of context. Yeah, it makes it sound like they were cool and different. Eliminates, yes. Yeah, that is, and it turns out they sucked. Well, well, you know, we have a little time here. You can edit this for if you don't want to, but yeah, yeah. I'll read this one because this poem. Wait, are you actually going to read, gonna read this poem? This one I can read without any anxiety at all. Oh. This does not fill me with trepidation. How long is it? Uh, I don't know, 200 words. Um, I'll read it fast. Okay, read it as fast as, fast as I can. As 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 you can. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, a, a just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there had worn them really about the same. 
And both that morning, equally lay in leaves, no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how ways lead on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, okay, we know, wait, wait, now I want to do it. Go ahead. I'm going to see how fast I can read. You ready? Uh-huh. All right. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I couldn't travel both, and be one traveler as long I stood, and long down as far when I could to where I've been in the undergrowth, and then took the other just as fair and per- having per- <laughs> and having nope, perhaps the no. better claim because it was no, no, grassy no, 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 and no. one weird. God damn it. You don't get to just say I nonsense. I want to read it words. as fast as possible. Well, I think we found that you, you were going too fast. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I couldn't travel both, and be one traveler as long I stood, and looked down as one. Oh, God damn it. No, this is too much uh, for you. It's too much for me. This I can't do it. It's too much for you. Anyway, the, the point I, is. That should be our annual tradition. How the, fast can we read? No, there's no. That's not a good tradition. Okay. That's not how you, anyone should read it. Fine. Then I guess we'll do we'll do the one that's emotionally relevant to you, Alfred. Okay. So the point of this one, though, is okay. that both paths looks about the same to this guy. <laughs> he picks one. Yeah, I know. And then when asked later in life, he says, "I'll tell them that I took the one that looked less traveled, and it made all the difference." This is a poem about yeah. self myth making, and to that end, it actually is pretty cool yeah. and especially relevant during the social media age. Yeah. And no one. No one understands. Not no one, but everyone who uses it as their fucking catchphrase seems to be stealing the wrong premise from an idea. Yeah. That's all. And that does seem relevant to me now. Now, the one that does have an effect on me. Okay. And I, you just heard me, everybody. Everybody just heard me. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm able to read fast. And relatively articulately. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, you were far more articulate than I was. Let's be realistic. Pretty on the money. Yeah. So here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. I'm not laughing at you. No, I, you, I, have, I haven't said anything funny. Here's the challenge. God damn it. Stop doing that voice. I know that you're getting worked up here's already. The okay. challenge. All right. Okay. okay. I just want everyone to understand what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to attempt. I'm going to attempt. I'm going to do my best to read Robert Frost's Stopping by the woods on a snowy evening from start to finish without breaking into tears. I'm going to begin now. Whose whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. <laughs> You're crying. I, I have tears in my eyes. I'm not laughing. You're just full-blown crying. I, I will attempt it again next year. Okay, thank you. This has been the Madeline and Her Attorney Watch Movies Program. Podcast program. This has been the Robert Frost Reading Seminar. Good luck in 2023, everyone. Yeah. Happy New Year.